Okay, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another long-form conversation. I am extremely excited about uh, this uh, today's long-form conversation because we have with us Jeremy Rice, who is a physicist, researcher, and media producer who runs the website Alien Scientist, as well as the popular YouTube channel that puts forth a very rational approach to what you would call, I guess, uh, you know, extraterrestrials, uh, quote-unquote conspiracy theories. Again, we're finding nowadays that, you know, you know, you're, whether it's with what's going on in the world now with, the, as they say, the, the beep boop that every a lot of people are getting, or even with um, with respects to disclosure, they say the average, you know, quote unquote conspiracy is, you know, anywhere from 30 to 90 days away from being something that turns out to be confirmed or, or reality, if you will. So uh, with that being said, Jeremy, sir, thank you so much for coming on. How are you? Zed, thanks for having me, man. This is, uh, is going to be fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, there's so many places where, where we could start, but if you, uh, would you be able to just tell everyone why you started Alien Scientist all the way back when, and, and what motivated you to do that? Any experiences of your own, anything of that type? I think my research started around 2003, 2004, and uh, I read a book called Behold a Pale Horse, and I met some people that were, you know, into a lot of this conspiracy stuff. And started teaching me, you know, some ins and outs of, you know, what the Federal Reserve banking stru structure, you know, how banks create money out of nothing through fractional reserve lending, this whole, you know, this whole new way of looking at society from this top down that the, the realization that there are secret societies, you know, I'd kind of, um, in the 2000 election, I think it was like, you know, a real eye opener when I think it was Bush that ran against Kerry and uh, uh, sorry, Gore or Kerry. Oh, it was Bush, Bush was Gore. Yeah. Bush and Gore was uh 2000. Right. Yeah, and then yeah. 2004 is like when that was 2004 is when I really had the awakening because I, I Bush was running in the, in the election against John Kerry. Yeah. And, um, it became obvious that that was uh, contrived. They were both Skull and Bones members at Yale, um, members of the same secret society. And I started looking into, you know, a lot of these secret societies and and um, and esoteric knowledge and stuff as well. And at the time, I was in, in college for physics at Bridgewater State University. I grew up in, in the Bridgewater Triangle. It's home to a lot of legends of uh, paranormal and uh, UFO and other Native American activity. Uh, one of the most deadly battles in U.S. territory were, was fought right in the Bridgewater Triangle. Um, it was called the King Philip's War, and it was in 1675. And uh, it killed like 10% of the colonists and, and a good portion of the Native American population. And uh, Whoa. So this is like, like some weird stuff that that's, you know, history that that's from the area where I'm from. And, and uh, I kind of grew up with a lot of these, these things. I read chariot of the gods in high school you know that uh book by eric von daniken that all the ancient aliens tv series was based upon so it, it kind of got me interested in thinking about you know aliens and and science but i've always been interested in science too and i was in school for physics at, at, at around that time when i started you know waking up to a lot of this this stuff and i and i said you know like you can't really talk about this stuff publicly they won't like they won't let you, you won't get on Joe Rogan. I, I was noticing like the people that Joe Rogan was, he, he did really good early on um, with Joe Rogan's questions, everything. And he got a lot of uh, popularity and attention early on. 
but he, um, I feel like he sold out somewhere um, between then after, after that show, because he, he like stopped questioning everything and started really like buying a lot of official narratives for certain uh, topics and pushed a lot of, you know, really weird narratives, like he, his support of this Bob Lazar thing. And, uh, you know, Bob Lazar is, 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 you know, I have mixed feelings on him. You know, I was actually, th knows. thank you. I was going to ask you about Mr. Lazar. Uh, it, just, yeah, if you, you could give your take on Mr. Lazar, then if it's cool, before we move on, I just wanted to ask how and why you started the Alien Scientist website back in 08. So either yeah. or, yeah. Yeah, well, Bob Lazar was definitely, I grew up in the 90s watching Unsolved Mysteries with uh, John Stack and, um, and, you know, so I was, I was uh, Robert Stack, sorry. And um, John, John Walsh was the other guy, right? Uh, John Walsh and Robert Stack. Yeah, so I, I, Bob Lazar was all over television, you know, in the 90s when I was growing up. So, um, but in 2002, 2004, I think um, I started getting into, you know, anti-gravity research. You know, is there anything on this? What, what's going on? Is it, you know, is there craft and uh, do the, we have technologies beyond this stuff and and, and american anti-gravity with tim ventura was actually a big influence on that too because he was doing a lot of uh, research with those lifters and, and and things like that during the time so um as you know tim i'm, I'm now teamed up with him 15 years uh you know 20 years later and we're doing um we're doing you know groundbreaking work in this field that nobody else seems to really be interested in doing at least not talking about publicly and we're trying to bring it out to the public and and have you know open conferences on this stuff but yeah that's that's sort of the motivation behind how i started alien scientists i was coming across a lot of information on anti-gravity you know technology and research that i had been doing uh for you know a number of years i i had gotten a hold of uh some i got gotten a hold of this guy named ed fouché um I found him through, you know, researches and he was not on mainstream television and, and unsolved mysteries like Mr. Lazard all throughout, you know, the nineties, he came out in 1998 um, yeah. and wrote a book. And uh, I did a couple of videos on his research, which I rediscovered, you know, like six years later in 2004. And I, I started making a couple of videos on it. And I think 2008 is when I started the alien sciences channel and made a couple like I can, I condensed those earlier videos and made like a, a better, you know, summary video, which still, you know, got a lot of things wrong and missed a lot of important details and information that I, I, I would find later. Um, actually there's a TR, he's the guy that disclosed the TR3B and um, there's, really? a document, there's a documentary coming out on the TR3B. I was the first guy that ever talked about it. And um it's never been confirmed as a real craft, but there's right. been a lot of a lot of ton of sightings. Of sorry, his sorry, his, his name, his full name again. My apologies. It's Edgar Allen Fouché. Edgar um, Allen or, or Edgar Albert Fouché. He, he wrote under the pen name Edgar Rothschild Fouché uh, for his book Alien Rapture. Okay, um, and that was but that was Brad Steiger who suggested to him that he should use that pen name. Um, because he felt like the Rothschild name would get people's attention more. Um, but uh, unfortunately it, it it's that and pointing out his, that his grandfather worked for the French secret police under Napoleon, um, you know, led to a lot of people like Richard Dolan and, and others to, to like think that uh, he was actually counterintelligence, 
you know, uh-huh. and, and I've gone back and forth on Ed, you know, whether or not he, he came out with that story as counterintelligence or what, but, um, right there, you know, cause, cause where are, if, if this, a tr 3 b man, it's been so, you know, why, why hasn't that been disclosed or leaked? Why hasn't, you know, something more come out on this unless they discontinued it when, when, you know, around the, that time. Uh, although there's some videos showing these triangles over Iraq too, that were like these, st- they, they said were some kind of stealth technology that they're using. Right. Yes. And so Ed Fouché, more importantly than the tr 3 b though, is he, was the first person to talk about uh, Area 51 black programs involving metamaterials and quasi-crystals research. And he stressed those two um, materials very hard as, as the super materials that, that, you know, they were really most interested in understanding and building and working with. Right. Um, as, and as you know, invisibility cloaks uh, function on, on using metamaterials, these uh, arrays of C-ring resonators right. that can... Um, they create light. It's like same like noise cancellation headphones. It's like radar cancellation um, antenna systems or, or natural res- national resonant responses. Well, for the sorry, before you go on, I just wanted to say uh, even for the audience, for those who don't know that um, lot from my understanding, from what I checked last night, Lockheed Martin quietly updated their website, not yesterday, but uh, fairly recently, basically admitting they have invisibility cloaking um, uh, technology. Uh, saying that again, there, again, this is where sort of I wanted to ask you about tying into Bob Lazar anti gravity. That Lockheed Martin explained on their website that gravity is a wave and that they've been able to bend the waves around it. Um, speaking of which, I wanted to again, yes. you, you're you're the expert here, obviously. Was there sort of a multi pronged question? But do you see consistency with what Mr. Lazar said back in the '90s relative to now? I know there's theories and speculation he stole some. Um, concepts from others and things like that and also was there any one thing in your personal life when researching anti-gravity that made you go holy shit like the 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 scientific community you know harvard yale stanford they're deliberately ignoring all this um well, yeah, that's that's quite a few points to cover yeah. there. <laughs> Sorry, um, let's yeah. start with uh let's start with the issue of um there's a couple different ideas that have come up for anti-gravity and and the earlier ones relate to a coupling between electromagnetism and gravity and you know a lot of there's been a lot of suspicion suspicion about a, a particle called the graviton which is wave-like in nature so that the and um then the ligo experiment as you know is this ligo and its sister project uh i forget what the uh, the other one was called um there was two of them actually, and they, they made two labs so that they could, there was a big scandal that went on because they were apparently not supposed to communicate with each other on their results so that they could have independent findings and that it could be, you know, two different um, facilities that, that Sorry, were in these experiments. Just, just to clarify for the audience, who were the two different facilities that were not supposed to communicate with each other? LIGO and Virgo. Okay. It LIGO and Virgo? Yeah, so it was LIGO, Virgo, and this, uh, they were supposed to, you know, work independently and um, of one of each other and then share, then that way they could, you know, compare their data and compare their results, but they were caught actually communicating and, and, and comparing their data because um, mm-hmm. they, 
they were afraid, you know, that if they published, then then maybe, you know, I don't know, which was very like it, it caused a, a controversy, which I, I haven't seen much of. It's kind of been buried, um, but because that would really affect their funding. And, um, and who do they who do they who are they owned by? Who do they answer to, if I may ask, LIGO and Virgo? So I think this was. Uh, who, uh, is this a. LIGO and Virgo were paid for by uh, observatories. Let's let's look them up. Okay. So they okay. were, uh, uh, hold up. This is the National Science Foundation. I knew it was government. The government funded this. I was just trying to find out which organization. Um, they have, uh, I think Caltech was in charge of it and the European Gravitational Observatory. Virgo is funded by the European Gravitational Observatory, EGO. So I don't know what EGO consists of. So the, the, there's some digging to do here, definitely into the funding right. and and the money people behind this that I haven't I haven't really gotten into. I'm I'm just va- I'm just trying to overview the science. And I mentioned oh, that's that okay. Yep. We wave like nature. So it's it's been confirmed that you know uh, gravity is is wave like it um, when these two superclusters. Uh, super or supernovas collide um basically like uh, when a, a large object falls into a black hole it creates these waves um, right and that that's what they kind of sensed and they detected and they did it by using a laser shined down a long hallway to a mirror and bounced back and then they look at the fringes and they they actually used uh squeezed coherent states to um improve the uh improve the resolution and efficiency on these things which I talked about that squeeze coherent states are, can be useful in the gravity warp drives as well that, that use um, trapped light with these quasi crystals and metamaterials. But this goes back to um, a guy named Edward Mills Purcell in the 60s who discovered something called nuclear magnetic resonance and the idea that atoms are kind of like spinning tops and that they, you know, you put them in a magnetic field and they, they spin up, the, the, they turn their spin and they align with the magnetic field and then when you take off the magnetic field, they gradually, you know, process back until you bounce them back again. And uh, different ones relax at different times and they, they relax more slowly. And you can use that, um, that sort of bouncing action and read that to, to figure out what they, it's used in chemistry in uh, most, most graduate chemistries uh, labs are based around the NMR machine, which you know, gives spectrographic readouts, which shows you elemental composition. And it does that through this uh, nuclear magnetic resonance phenomena that different atoms as they're heavier or, or, or lighter will spin um, or more magnetic or versus their, it's like a, mag, a magnetic point of magnetism to weight uh, ratio kind of thing that it's called the Larmor precession of these atoms. But anyways, this was discovered and this led to the, the discovery of metamaterials that, you know, they, they said, well, certain symmetries work really good for, um, you know, on, on if we build a grid that's the same wavelength as the Russian radar system and we put that grid on our plane, it, it makes it invisible to that, you know, radar frequency. Mm. You know, stuff like that, where they, they realize that there's this coupling between wavelengths and, and actual like sizes of things, you know, that you, you can you can manipulate the waves by building a, a grid 
and the because the wave the wave like nature of this of the space actually sees the grid like a like a solid object like a box you know it's it's like um it's like glass glass is clear for right. optical frequencies but if you go in the infrared uh, or actually sorry if you go in the ultraviolet it, it becomes opaque like it, it so like that that's the point in the frequency where you know it becomes higher than the spacing between the molecules and so like it bound, it gets caught inside the molecules rather than passing directly through it if you understand is this sorry before you go on sir is is this um I, I know that obviously within the community of stem science technology engineering mathematics there needs to be obviously loads of funding for such things to be delved into and researched you know thoroughly is there any type of funding or uh, inquiries about this relative to you know certain physicists um at you know uh oxford yale you know stanford harvard the main sort of universities or is there what are you seeing when you look at I that? haven't seen any real funding for you know a lot of this funding was cut off by the government was in the 60s by something called the Mansfield amendment okay and that, that limited a lot of the funding for experimental projects without like a definitive goal in mind so you know like you know you have engineering projects that are that are, are based around known science but there's they've cut off all like the experimental stuff that really looks into new science that's not established yet sort of the fringe and they, they cut off a lot of the funding for for that kind of stuff um do you have a the, do, you, do you know do you think you know why they did that do you think there was a deliberate purpose yeah it was a lot of ant the, there was a lot of anti-gravity research that was being done in the government up until that point and it was um it was causing a lot of rumors that you know we had stuff and i don't know if that was bad or what they, they didn't want people to think that or i thought it would be at least advantageous to make our adversaries during the cold war think that you know we had you know more exotic capabilities than we really did but um you know i don't understand exactly why um that mansfield amendment you know got passed but it's certainly something that you know you know, when we talk to our senator, like that big phone home, that should have been something, you know, that should be something I mentioned and, and that will be put together. And I'm going to make a shorter briefing, I think, for um, my senator and uh, just to talk about some of the legislation that should be looked at and maybe overturned because, you know, there should be more funding for this, 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 this type of research, uh, anti-gravity research, and also the invisibility and invisibility cloak research. Um, because it relates to quantum computing, a lot of the stuff, and uh, there's been a huge funding. I know with uh, <clears throat> what is it the Office of Science and Technology Policy and Technology Policy? Yeah, here it is. So there's the White House uh, opened up. If you go to WhiteHouse.gov, you can search for the Office of Science and Technology Policy, and they recently allocated. Um, I got to get the exact number, but. It was a, a couple billion dollars. It was a good chunk of the budget that they're trying to put towards, you know, developing the next st stage of technologies. If it, one this, of the things, um, and one of the things was quantum computing. They were down here at URI in Rhode Island uh, a, couple, a couple weeks ago. Do you? I just wanted to ask, do you being, you know, observing and having your finger on the pulse of this, not just community, but these topics for so long and seemingly based off of, you, you know, your social media following politics to quite an extent relative to trying to get anti-gravity out there um, in, in a formal way. Do, do you think that 
no matter how much money is put, whether it's two billion, twenty billion, you know, to a hundred billion, for example, towards this, uh, for example, um, just for the sake of playing devil's advocate respectfully, do you think that no matter how much money, big or small, is put into it, it still comes down to who is uh, someone? I guess you could say within the shadow government, as they call it, approves or disapproves of the dissemination of some of these findings. Again, you know, uh, the, the concept behind certain individuals that are members of what's been known to be Majestic 12, they give the green light or the red light as to whether or not something like, a, you know, the, the, the missing uh, formula, if you will, can, can be released publicly to a certain issue. Yeah, I think, well, I think that there's a lot of fear in academia about speaking out and being, you know, diff- being like an outcast. You know, it's, it seems like that people don't understand tenure these days because tenure was supposed to be like you've established yourself in the academic community and now you can start, you know, causing waves and, and, and breaking out of traditional forms of thinking. Right. And um, there are a lot of celebrity you know, physicists and scientists who have seemed to have taken over like the field. And, um, you know, Michio Kaku did some great work on, um, on, and, you know, like they had that whole thing he did for, I think it was discovery channel where they had this inside a UFO. And he talked a little bit about the physics of how these things would work and stuff. And, uh, that inspired me to do a video where I was like, well, you know, the invisibility cloaks would use metamaterials and this is kind of a little bit how it works and, and right. science to look into, to try to introduce, you know, this community to the, the real scientific principles and also introduce the scientific community. Who's like, oh, well, you know, maybe there's something to this UFO stuff, you know, like you can make invisible, you can make things invisible. I mean, just, just imagine, you know, and then, you know, I talk about, uh, another thing I like to talk about is, is the issue of quantum radar and mm. the short the short and uh, interesting life of, of, of that it had within the military. Um, so they built the first quantum radar systems and the way that the, that quantum radar, I know it sounds funny, you know, just throwing the word quantum around, but it's actually works on entanglement. So they take like the photon, they split it in two, right. and they use two, two radars to kind of, you know, hit it with the, these entangled photons. So that way, if you have invisibility, anything in there that's invisible or, or spoofing the signal, you know, to, to the radar return or anything like that, then you'll have, um, you'll have what's called, uh, entanglement breaking you know disentanglement and um, that you'll be able to detect that now the problem was apparently that it they they shut down this the program and and removed the systems because they had too many false positives but i have a feeling that these false positives were actually you know it just opened up our view to like just how much invisible stuff's flying out there Right. And that and that's why it got shut down instead. Um, so it's it's one of those things. And then it's not talked about at all. Like you can't like they don't they had a couple like uh, MIT. They had one MIT article on it and it was like that was it. And I know that those students like instantly got um, a contract and it goes often it goes through DARPA, um, yep. you know, Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. You know, I don't think this like a secret government group that, that I, I'm aware of that that picks up this stuff it's pretty uh it's pretty over the table across the board but you know the details of those contracts that may not become public until like you know years later or decades later through FOIA and stuff so 
Um, there's, uh, you know, interesting, interesting things like that, that you have to just be in the, um, you have to be looking for in the right place at the right time and, and, know, and know something about all the science and technology to, to even pick up on something, you know, did any of those events, of time, so. oh, oh, did any of yeah. those, uh, like, for example, the, the, um, the example that you just gave right there, which thank you, that was phenomenal, by the way, did anything like that occur to you, uh, earlier, like in the mid to late, uh, like mid two thousands that made you want to start alienscientist.com? Was there one particular event of any type or was it just, it, that it just kind of flowed into making, like starting it up, uh, you know, in 2008? Honestly, I think uh, when I heard about metamaterials and quasi crystals, and I just started searching all the academic literature on those back in 2004, 2005, I just saw, I, I don't know, it just was like the download happened. Right. And um, I, I, I just saw it, it, I saw the future 20, 50 years, 100 years ahead. And I was like, oh my God, because I knew about, I had read a book. I recently read a, uh, a paper, there's, there's plenty of room at the bottom. And I, I was into really into Richard Feynman at the time, you know, I was studying physics in college and I was reading every like Richard Feynman book that I could find. And, and, uh, and he had this whole, uh, and I read, I was reading the Feynman lectures on physics and there was a couple of things in there um, that he talked about uh, that I, I, I um, one of them was this, this whole idea of, uh, Sorry, what were you just what were you just talking about? I'm, if there's there was, so many things in that book. Oh no, no, no worries, man. It was just my brain's going in a million directions. So no worries at all. It was just if there was one instance, whether it was from reading his book or a, a maybe a UFO sighting of some kind personally that made you motivated to start this website. Yeah, it was the that whole thing of the quasi crystals and metamaterials, and you know when when I was like, he had this whole thing about yeah, there's plenty of room at the bottom. And it was about nanotechnology and um, something called Moore's law about how small we can make computer chips and then, then the heat that they produce. And we'll eventually get to a point where they'll, they'll be producing more heat than our nuclear reactor cores. And um, wow. But, but um, for the computation and then how to make the chip smaller and smaller. And so they eventually, uh, I don't think they realized back then um, they, they could use NMR and, and spintronics to um, reduce, you know, computation, the, the tip, all, not only the temperature output, but the, um, the energy requirements, because uh, it's real easy to, you know, suspend atoms in a lattice and then have them just spin freely um, with incident electromagnetic waves. And there was books written on this in the 60s and 70s that didn't put the the pieces haven't really been put together all yet. They're, they're just beginning to be put together. They were just starting to be put together in the late nineties. And mm -hmm. I think that the, you know, the, a lot of these secret programs are maybe a decade or so ahead. Um, and they've recruited a lot of the people for this because they've known, I think they knew in, I think they knew in mid 1980s, 1984, 1985, when uh, a lot of the research was being done at the university of Rochester and the first uh, coherent light, you know, the first coherent matter was, wasn't until 10 years after that, 1994, the first Bose-Einstein condensate was created with a uh, supercooling uh, cat uh, cesium atoms. But um, before that, it was, it, it was 10 years before they created the first uh, condensed light. And that was at University of Rochester up in upstate New York. 
Um, yeah, so there, there's, there's a lot of stuff that goes on that's coming out now. You know, this was right around the time that Bob, you know, a couple of years after that, Bob Lazar came out with the Element 115 stuff, which I want to get into uh, and talk yes, about. I did. Um, so, yeah. That I think he got from because he didn't come out with it right away. He said he was a physicist and he was going to reveal the secrets, you know, in May 1989. Right. And in May 1989. Sorry, if, if it's okay. Sorry, but I just wanted to ask one quick thing Re regarding before we go to Lazar very quickly, the quantum radar aspect of it. Did you hear about recently that former DIA scientist uh, releasing some clips and screenshots and alleged? I don't know. It seemed like a quantum radar, but it seemed like a, a UFO mothership manifesting smaller. Um, holograms of craft it, um and they said that this individual off the uh, off the record said that the those within the dia that are familiar with this radar call it the um the uh uf something like the alien hunting uh, binoculars something like this yeah binoculars so that's the key right there is because i remember i mentioned that, that they split the they split the photon and then send it out through two two systems like they buy like binoculars yes and, right and, and it has to be two because it has to be from two angles with the entangled photons. And that's how, that's how the, that's how it works. It's by quantum entanglement. And um, so you think those binoculars, if they were still, if they, for example, were handed out to, I don't know, they might be talking about a different type of, you know, cause they have the, 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 what's called the, you know, the, um, the eyes or the binocs that are on a ship, you know, and that's not, I don't think those are quantum radar. They're just these big, eye, big binoculars that they use for spotting, you know, on the ship. Right. And, okay. Um, so I'm not sure exactly what, you know, there, cause there's different things, you know, this is uh, the quantum radar stuff was, it was experimental. I don't think it was ever deployed on an actual naval vessel or okay. it was actually deployed on, on in the field for, for, um, enlisted men to use. I think it was one of those, you know, programs that they, they tried it out and it didn't go there. So I don't know. Sure. As it, let's carry on with, with Lazar, if that's cool, but, I apologize. But yeah, as far as the wave, the wave nature, you know, a lot of people know that waves, you know, or at least predicted, you know, back in the eighties, that waves were the, the, you know, the answer to gravity and that gravity worked on waves. Um, so it's not, too far off. I mean, you could listen to Lazar's old thing. He said that it was the, there was a gravity A wave and a gravity B wave. Yep. And what he described as the gravity A wave was just regular gravity, but this gravity B wave, um, he, the way he described it, it was almost like the strong nuclear force. And um, I thought that was interesting because, you know, I come up across, across a couple of theories before, you know, through over the, over the years, including one by Frank Sinardzik. We talked about using the strong nuclear force and being able to extend it beyond the nucleus. And that kind of sounds like, you know, something Lazar maybe talked about with that gravity B wave. Um, if we could experimentally prove such a thing, but it's, it's never been done. Um, but the other thing about Lazar's story is the element 115 thing, right? There we found, uh, he came out with that in, in October, 1989 was the first time he gave that was when he gave that first interview Right. with George Knapp, where he talked about the element 115. Now, we found, and uh, George Knapp, I confronted George Knapp with the article, and he claims that he had covered it early on in his journalism and reporting on the, on the Bob Lazar story. But really, realistically, that should have ended a lot of the controversy right there, because it was the... Wait, sorry, you the, confronted Mr. Knapp with what exactly? I had the May 1989 issue of Scientific American, where on page okay. 68, it has a whole article on um, 
on element 115 and the island of stability. And it's by these guys, Armbruster, these two German scientists working at, at CERN over in Germany. Right. Um, uh, at one of the big particle accelerators over there. And they had done a bunch of research that had, that were, had created element 109 at the time. And they were working on creating higher and higher elements. And they, they were the guys that actually created element 115. Um, they mentioned that in Rogan's podcast with Corbell and Lazar. They mentioned, I think they had mentioned that, but uh, not what, the, con- the Scientific American article. No, because that predates no, Lazar's it, thing. Sorry, not the not the article, not the article. The the point where they had mentioned, but they didn't specify to the extent that you did. They said didn't. I think Rogan said didn't they manage? They left to- out. They left out yeah. key details. Yes, right, on purpose. Right. That's what that's, I'm trying. That's yes. called disinformation, right there. Right it's when you when you tell half the story, but you don't tell the whole story. The real story is that in May, 1989, that article came out in Scientific American. It talked about the island of stability. It talked about element 115. It talked about the possibility of the idea of using it as fuel for future spacecraft because, you know, the high heavy elements, I mean, you can pack a lot of density in there. There's a lot of mass, you know, equals MC squared. That's energy, you know, that's bang for your buck. So you can pack a lot of energy inside these super heavy elements if you could find a way to make them stable. And they may have, may be a way to you know th- there's way to ways to um you know there's ways to make things stable uh, by you know setting up the right uh, you know electromagnetic or, or field around an atom you know you can take something that would normally decay and keep it stable if you if you you know put it in a box where it, you know can't go nowhere mm. basically um, so there there's ways to there might be a way to find this uh, you know. An element they said it was closer to element 114 in that article um but they gave some of the isotopes that and the isotopes that they gave were the ones that lazar would later say were the ones so it's like it's clear like that he either he had to have gotten it from that article because it predates that and you know he's the kind of guy that was reading science magazines and i and i, I i've shown that there was a another movie called um uh fat man and little boy uh you know, or uh, little man, fat, fat boy and little man, I think it was called. Um, and it was a movie about Manhattan project and the atomic bomb. And of course, you know, he's got old videos of him going to the Los Alamos um, national heritage museum where they have the fat man. And he's like, I have pictures of him, of Bob in front of that fat man thing. So it's, it's clear that he worked, he, he did some work at Los Alamos. Um, we later found out that he was, part of the radiation health monitoring team and that he repaired alpha probes and, and was part of like that whole business, which is why he went to different parts of the base and, and knew people and, and was uh, like a rabbit in his burrow, according to George Knapp. Mm. So um, there's explanations for the whole story that I, I found through my research, talking to people that worked with him at Los Alamos, you know, a lot of people weren't willing to go on the record. They just didn't want the attention or the, or, you know, or the the he- the headache that goes with all that. They spoke to you personally. They spoke to me and and other researchers that that wow. I've worked with. Yes, and and we got a whole. We actually got a hold of Bob Lazar's ex wife, uh, too. Um, so Bob Lazar has been married three times. His first wife died under some suspicious circumstances, and then that's when he started dating the second wife and was telling. And apparently he was running a brothel and and leaving in middle the middle of the night and telling her that he was leaving and he working at area 51. So this whole thing, like 
started as, as a, I believe, as a lie that he was telling his, his wife at the time. Who, by the way, he married her and then and then his wife, his, his, he married her while still married to the other woman. Then she died a month later. And then he got remarried to her under a different name, like to try to hide the original marriage. And um, there's a lot of weird stuff in his past that looks like, you know, that. Uh, and she told us to read a book called uh, Who is Clark Rockefeller to understand the case a little bit better. And, and I went and looked up that guy. Clark Rockefeller was this guy who committed a murder out in California and then ran from it and went to New Hampshire and was uh, a, living under a different name, changed his name to Clark Rockefeller. His real name was some something else. And um, he pretended to be part of the Rockefeller family and he just bullshitted his way to the, the all to like the top of all these societies because they gave Kinda him like this, Epstein. He gave him all this power and clout just because they thought he was the real rock. He thought he was a Rockefeller and, and he wasn't. And um, and it all got it all came down. Then they then like his wife started, you know, like why she she started be like, why does he always have to file his taxes different? And he's got all these weird things that he, he's doing that just they kind of don't make sense. And so she went and hired a private investigator to look into him and he found all the stuff. And then they, they, they went and, you know, and then he went back to, they, they extradited him to California and he stood trial for the murder that he had run, ran from. And um, it's weird because, you know, his, you know, I don't know, I don't know too much about Bob and, and the whole case. And I don't want to like, you know, get like super personal on it. I know his, I've heard, you know, a lot of rumors about his family being connected to, um, mafia and stuff too so I, it's like not something i you know, almost like want to mess with but i think it's i think he was hired as disinformation at the very best the very least case that he met john lear okay who was a cia disinformation agent extraordinaire um he even though he did reveal information about area 51 and put it kind of put area 51 on the map i think that a lot of the um a lot of the research and other stuff like that had been moved away from there by that point and that they, they mm. the Russians were already so aware and, and knew about it that it, it was like, you know, why not just, they use that, they use that as a, a distraction point as they, as they fractured a lot of these programs up and, and, and they moved them deeper underground where the Russians couldn't find them. But they knew the Russians were all about area. The Russians were photographing area 51. They were doing flyovers. They were, you know, sending mm. agents around the base they had agents all over las vegas and the, the strip the strip clubs and stuff to try to you know seduce people who worked out there and right. contractors and stuff so it's like they knew about about all this stuff going on and there's books on it but, sorry um, you're saying uh, you're saying lazar or mr lear put area 51 on the map just to clarify was well Liz, lear originally did but it, lazar was the one that like really you know blew it up because then he yeah. was he was like the star physicist and and the way they portrayed him and unsolved mysteries and on all those shows and then the original Lazar tapes, you know, he sold it. You know what I mean? He was a salesman, you know, you, like Lear got the product together, but Lazar was and, and Knapp were really the ones that sold it. Um, and sorry, and, before before we go on, I just want to ask very quickly, the if, if it's OK for you to speak on the individuals that worked with Lazar that did not want to go on the record. Could you say what their opinions were? Did they did they say, yeah, he might have been involved in some compartmentalized thing or no, it's all BS? Well, his ex-wife, he didn't want to go on the record, but she was basically said that, you know, he's a liar and that the whole story's, uh, you know, a fraud and that, you know. 
he made it all up and everything. The but his best friend Gene Huff, I've talked to him and he stands by Bob all the way. You know, he, to this day, he 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 says that Corbell did a crappy job on making the the documentary and that he wishes he, he didn't because Corbell didn't even mention Gene Huff or John Lear. And uh, even though he lived with John Corbell lived and slept on John Lear's couch for like five years, man. So like, so in other words, essentially you got to, you got to cover all every angle of it in order to present to the, there's stuff that Corbell's leaving out of the story on purpose. And I think that, that, that speaks volumes about his, his intentions and, and within the community and his role and and what he's doing. And so you're not saying just to get this correct, uh, you're not saying to that Corbell should debunk Lazar, but you're saying it's highly suspicious that Corbell is picking and choosing what to put and what not to put is very, very um, suspect to relative to what agenda he might have. He told us nothing new about the story, man. He just repeated the old story that we've been told and know for all these years, man, there's so much detail and so much inside, you know, scoop on this, like, you know, the, the element 115 article had all the, that's, that's his entire intelligence um, download. That's the, all the scientific knowledge that he shared with us could have been borrowed from science. It was written in scientific American five months before he shared it. So it's like, where where is where's the meat and potatoes man i know people that like pretend to be people and and can talk for hours about nothing (laughs) you know and there's plenty of them out there and that's that will lead us into our next you know topic too about um you know i i really like to there's a lot of people that talk about nothing like like elizondo and, and and chris mellon who you know, I, I'm very skeptical of myself, you know, and, and I, I'm out, one of the few people on UFO Twitter that's still like outspoken and questioning their, you, you know, their position and their roles and their behavior and their attitudes and, and within the community. You know, one of the few people that's, you know, everyone's like, no, how could you, they're on the same team. Why, why would you say bad things about them? And they've done great things to bring, you know, UFOlogy into the mainstream. And it's like, well, really, what what are they what have they done? Because in the scientific community, like they're they're bringing up all this stuff about poltergeists and ghosts and the Skinwalker Ranch thing, mm. and, and and all that. And that I tell you what the scientific community thinks about that. Well, this is what I wanted to ask you. Uh, one of the things I wanted to ask very strongly, which is that maybe you may not agree with Lou or be very skeptical of Mr. Elizondo. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but when Mr. Elizondo says something like, for example, he believes that we as a, as, as, as the masses in humanity have shifted from science to scientism. Do you agree with him in that regard? So I, I'd have to, let's, I'm going to look up scientism. I'm oh, sure. To... More so, I, I believe sort of the following the belief of a, of a biased ideology uh, pertaining to a, a theory, but I could, I might be thinking of something else. Yeah, there, I mean, there is, and I, there is a lot of bias within science. Um, you know, I always say the revolution will not be televised, you know, yep. there's a lot, lot there's lots of people who are, who've complained and, and brought up the issues with peer, the modern peer review process and the modern, um, you know, the modern ju- academic journals, what academic journals are, because they basically like, they charge scientists to publish their own work, give them hell to, to get it published. And then when any of it turns out to be true, they sell it and 
and make enormous profits off it and and give like hardly anything back to the academic community you know what i mean right that's yeah and there's so many people that are like why the fuck would i publish my great ideas when i could you know go like elon musk and just go start a company and and just build it and say fuck all that bullshit so you know i, I just, mean and yeah. make billions and make billions instead of just giving it away to th this community that's just gonna like basically call me a fucking liar call me like a pseudoscientist give me hell to publish shit and then when it turns out to be real they're just gonna exploit the fuck out of it and give me nothing mm. yeah you know? right so this is are you do you take issue with the peer review system in general in academia yes absolutely man like why do you think we have why, why do you think we are starting this whole new revolution of the uh, we have a bi-weekly conference okay so no more like in-person conferences once a year that you have to pay you know air airfare and hotels to go attend now everyone sits in their underwear and they're in their living room and on zoom and comes to these conferences and i'm not, not saying <laughs> in their right. underwear, but you know what i mean it's it's right it's, 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 the accessibility is on a whole nother level now and it's like we're sharing we're, we don't have time to sit there and, and write a write a paper and wait for it to get published man we're, we're like showing our experiments live and, and and publishing our results right to youtube live right you know what i mean and, and yes. we're sharing it with with each other as a community and you know how much faster we're getting shit done than they ever will Right, exactly. Well, speaking We're of starting a new revolution with this stuff, man. I, I, I mean, I couldn't agree Technology. more. I, I couldn't agree more, man. I, speaking of which, it kind of made me think of something, a, sort of a two pronged question. But, um, do you, first off, are you familiar with the alleged Griotta Treaty that Eisenhower signed in 1954? Um, President Eisenhower with uh, he signed. Oh, with, is this the one he signed with the aliens? Eisenhower correct. supposedly met with the aliens. Correct. Correct. Are, are you familiar with this? And if so, do you subs not believe it, but possibly Wait, this was in this was in Bill Cooper's book, man. He talked about it. In right. Behold a pale horse because he's like so that they, they tried to track down and they found that he had missing time during those dates. He apparently went to some, you know, two week dentist appointment or something and, like that. And Colonel uh, Colonel uh, Lieutenant Colonel Philip Corso also claimed that the this particular set of gray aliens had leverage over Eisenhower and his administration because they knew that Eisenhower and his team did not want disclosure to go public. And that was so I think I'm not sure, but I know, like, is this related to the Project Serpo stuff? Correct. I know Correct. That, I know, yes. Yeah, because all that came from Richard Doty. OK. Okay. And that's where I think that's where I think um, that's if, if 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 Lazar was brought anywhere real to any facility and, and introduced to people, it was it was someone like Richard Doty or the OSI that was, you know, setting Lazar up, you know, to make him think that he was, you know, because because they they knew Lazar was the kind of guy who would spill the beans, man. They was He's the last person, I think, you know, from a psychological profiling and understanding right. how security clearances are granted. Right. The guy had a, a, a real long history of burning people and, and, and having huge debts. He had like hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debts that he left in Los Alamos when he left there and moved to Las Vegas. Right. Um, he had, you know, debt, that's a, that's a big red flag. You know, they don't like people that have that owe lots of money. Um, cause there's always the risk of espionage and, and that kind of stuff. Right. The other thing was, um, he drove a rocket car around, man. This this newspaper article yes. clipping to him driving like the guy was at attention seeking. You know, mm, I see. You what, think yeah. that you know what I mean? Like he was he he was. You don't drive a rocket car around unless you want attention, man. Like in fact, all the engineers at Los Alamos were were like 
you know, grilling him on his numbers and like, why, what's the point of having this rocket? You know, it's so inefficient. It does nothing but like make noise and, and yeah, you know, it's like, it's completely pointless. And they were like, you know, completely unimpressed by it, you know, but the media was like, oh my God, you know, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, he's getting all the wrong kinds of attention. And, you know, he's the first person he's talked to the media before. So it's, they just knew like if they hired him for anything, it was, it was intentional program set up to make him blab. And mm. I wouldn't put it past these guys, Richard Doty and what, what they uh, were doing, you know, uh, during the, during that time, they made a man go insane and, and like kill himself. Paul Benowitz, right? Right. And Paul Benowitz also authored, well, not authored, allegedly wrote that Project Beta document where he was observing uh, a, a particular species of uh, extraterrestrials in New Mexico. If yeah, because the NSA was beaming him like messages through his, like, his, his radio equipment and he was picking up things he thought it was aliens. <laughs> and it was wow. really the NSA like trying to tip him off because he was like stumbled upon a top secret program and an operation that they didn't want, you know, getting out. Wow. So the reason I ask, and thank you for that, uh, the reason I ask um, about the Griotta Treaty or the alleged Griotta Treaty is because it's been speculated. And, and I'm very careful to say this as if it's fact, because unless we have concrete evidence in front of us or proof, I don't want to say so. It's been speculated that the deal signed with the I'm skeptical, man. I'm skeptical. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is the, like, yeah. Go on. I, well, I did want to ask that the, the deal allegedly signed was set to to renew every nine years, allegedly. Now, do you think that Mr. Elizondo and, and Mr. Mellon and a handful of others, putting aside Lazar for a second, do you think they are coming forward possibly because such treaties have expired, if you want to call it that, um, because there may be another extraterrestrial faction that is more positively oriented to support them coming forward not saying would no, not i know i that's yeah. an interesting theory i hadn't thought of i mean I, I kind of like the idea that you know um who's this guy so dark journalist has had um you know dan daniel list uh a dark journalist he's he's uh, done a number of episodes talking about you know um you know the whole TTSA thing and what, what he, what he suspects it is and stuff. Um, Sorry, TTSA standing for. So TTSA was to, to the stars Academy and it kind of came, that came out in 2008 with Tom DeLong and it was uh, help, help put off Steve justice. Um, Chris Mellon, Lou Elizondo and uh, Jim Semivan. And that kind of fizzled out. They, they, they originally said they were going to build this craft and have a science division and bring out a, a lot of this technology. And then um, they've backed, they, I think they backed off that. And, um, and now they're, you know, team, of course, they broke up. We haven't really heard much from the others, um, but Lou Elizondo and Chris Mellon have kind of come out on their own and, um, and are now in this community. They've gotten a lot of attention, New York Times articles, and, and, and they've got a, a, a huge Twitter following, uh, like three, three or four times the size that I have on Twitter. Mm. And, um, you know, I can't say anything negative about them or I get an army of trolls, you know, like coming and being like, you know, defending their, their, their side and stuff. And, and um, 
including this one guy, faceless bureaucrat, who I'm pretty sure is Lou Elizondo's sock account. But um, I, I can't, I can't be so sure of that. Well, if I, um, if, if I, if I may ask very quickly, um, pertaining to uh, uh, Mr. Elizondo and, and Christopher Mellon, I know what you're saying with regards to like, I just listened on my walk the other day for a second or third time, Joe Rogan's conversation with Christopher Mellon. And there's not much news of significance that you could take away from such a conversation. I mean, it's, it's interesting that he, he, he did call Lazar out, you know, as saying that he didn't believe him because he was asked about that. Right, and, yeah. and uh, you know, he got some flack for that because the community is like well that's just low-hanging fruit like you know of course you, you could just say that but he didn't really give us anything you know like my my point is i, I criticize lazar but then i'm like well look at all the other physics research and look at look at the real this real stuff that i that i found through my research and if you really right. want to dig into it you know we can get into gravito electromagnetism gravity probe b um the uh gravito magnetic field of a rotating superconductor and all the mm. you know the theories and, and how far back that goes to, to torsion physics and and the torsion Einstein Cartan theory and the torsion tensor that um you know apparently the Nazis were onto and were were trying to develop you know at the right. end of World War II and we can go into the, the real physics of this stuff and, and not you know not just talk about element 115 and um and I just question you know what these guys are you know if they're if they're, they're doing controlled the opposition because this the scientific division of, of this whole operation apparently a tip was run by lou elizondo and they hired a couple scientists to do some uh research for sorry I, I, just for the audience i want to clarify a tip stands for advanced um advanced aerospace identification uh threat, oh, threat, identification, threat identification program, program. Yeah. thank you yes so but i just wanted to add to that super quickly do you think that and i'm not trying to defend them at all just trying to play the other side of things here do you think that them walking up to that metaphorical line but not crossing it again a lot of people that defend them very strongly say oh well they're ndas things like that but do you think just them coming forward although not necessarily offering anything of any new uh, relevancy is in and of itself like that action of them coming forward may help push things forward do you think that's a legitimate thing they're doing the timing was just interesting. It was right around the Bob Lazar documentary uh, being released on Netflix, and uh, like right before that, actually three three month three or four months before that October. Right. And uh, and um, and they were claiming that they were going to build a craft, and they were claiming to bring a lot of this this information and technology out. And there was a lot of interesting stuff that you know. It, it, it was published and studied in under the um, the OSAP program, which was a tip scientific, um, you know, Jacques uh, Vallée was a consultant for the database on OSAP, if I'm not mistaken. He was. Oh, that's interesting. So, well, that's yeah, sorry. So that's according to Skinwalkers at the Pentagon book, depending on how you take that. That's a new book. Very recently, a lot of people criticized it. A lot of people praised it. So. Yeah, I don't know what the issue is with the Skinwalker uh, Ranch and bringing that into the narrative, but I have a feeling my, my take on that is it's related to the electronics warfare uh, testing range that basically the electronic warfare testing is um, what we're called ECCMs or electronic counter countermeasures, you know, and I interviewed mm. the, the I interviewed T.D. Barnes, who's like the head guy out at Area 51, um, and he thinks that 
all these pilots, the Nimitz encounters and all those pilots are seeing is our own electronic warfare technology. That's spoof. It's spoofing technology. And they can make, they can literally make everything. He said, he says that we have spoofing technology. That's incredibly, incredibly deceiving. And he says that we can create, you know, objects that physical objects that appear in real air and appear on radar. And uh, so when you're talking about a technology like that, then these radar signatures of these things doing 90 degree angles, you know, it's, it's no longer like, wait a minute, is this yeah. a real physics? Is this real? Or is this, you know, something that they're creating with this electronic warfare technology and the spoofing that they have? Um, and they're, these programs go back to uh, Project Palladium and Project Nemesis um, are two of the ones that he can talk about, but he said that there's stuff that he, he knows about that he can't really talk about. And he just says that these pilots aren't seeing what they think they're seeing. And I thought that was amazing coming from the head of special projects out of Area 51 saying that. And um, it's interesting, certainly, that a lot of these sightings occur in these uh, electronic warfare testing ranges, like the SoCal mm -hmm. range in the um, it, off of uh, San Clemente Island and off of uh, Pendleton uh, Naval Base. You know, there in, in, in California, before, sorry, the uh, San Diego. But, but sorry, before you go on, you just said like 50 things. I know that my audience is going to want uh, want me to ask you if that's cool. Project Bluebeam, the whole concept that there may be some type of faked or staged invasion of some kind. I personally don't subscribe to there being like one big event per se. But do you think that some of that technology could be categorized as Bluebeam tech? I mean, that's quite a vague term, but. It, it's certainly. Um... The blue, the, the idea of the blue beam relates to the spectrum of the uh, lasers that they're using. Right. And um, the more convincing holograms are, are this blue uh, spectrum because they can, they can also do colored, you know, combinations of red, green, and blue to create, um, I believe they could create really realistic visual displays, you know, of, of any color that they wanted. Um, but blue beam is certainly, you know, um, these ideas go back, you know, people were talking about this idea of using that they could use lasers to project holograms and project yeah. things in the sky. So the, 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 this idea is not very new, but I think that the technology and how far, just how far it's gotten and, and how sophisticated it is, is not known to the public. Yeah, I, 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 I uh, concur and I would strongly agree. And I also think Jacques Vallée believes that whether it's uh, human or not, he believes that, um, again, if you go by with what he said with James Fox on Rogan's podcast about a year ago, he thinks that this phenomenon is trying to teach us something, uh, that these motherships seem to be manifesting smaller objects that are relative to an individual's perception. Rather than, you know, everyone sees the same thing, a couple, you know, a handful of people might see a, you know, a red orb, others will see a, a flying like a disc um in in that regard do you subscribe to that not not necessarily believe it but subscribe to that well when you talk about um when you understand how optics works you know mm. how you see an object and you understand the what's called collimated emissions um and collimated means that it, it points it vectored directly towards a certain target so if you use collimated emissions um from and understand, you know, uh, radio, radiate, you know, dissipative collimation, then you could potentially uh, project different images at different, every, at different angles. So different people would see different things uh, because if you stood here, you'd be getting a different, um, a different optical picture through the collimated uh, radiation. 
Now, if I, if I'm, before we move on, if I may ask, do you believe, um, granted, given the, the technology, uh, whether it's public or secret that they, that the United States government and the army has, do you believe that, um, how, how can I word this? What, what piece of evidence or pieces of evidence suggest to you that a lot of the craft seen, whether now or back then is of extraterrestrial origin and not of again, the technology you just spoke of, of that sort of, you know, holographic, whatever, uh, you know, uh, makes it work type of apparatus. Yeah, well, you know, like the first lasers didn't exist till I, I think like the, the 50s or 60s, you know, like for the first mm. experimental ones and then practical ones, like not until the 60s, right? They, they, right. they were huge and stuff. So, so um the idea that these Foo Fighters that were seen during World War II were like, a, a, you know, projected technology, like they didn't, I don't know, the, there's, there's quite a few arguments that we didn't have quite the, um, the technology for that then, you know? Fair. Yeah. And then there's, you know, then there's other ideas. People said, well, they're, they're balloons, you know, with uh, electrodes attached, you know, or, uh, <laughs> you, know, then, you know, there's like lots of, there's lots of, you know, crazy theories and, and, and you know, hot air balloons are, Chinese lanterns are an older technology that have been around for a while that, you know, if you had a, a couple Chinese lanterns back in the day, you could, you'd probably make some UFO sightings because people wouldn't have anything to, if they didn't know what a Chinese lantern was, you know, do you, you, do see, you know, so like there's lots of, there's lots of, you know, mundane explanations for, for aerial phenomenon, but I don't think it's, you know, I think that if we are being visited, it, it's going to be something like, you know, who watches the watchers from Star Trek where they're not going to, I don't know. I don't, I, but then again, you have all these crazy experiencer stories, but there's, there's never proof. There's never like this hard, you know, definitive evidence. Like we had with Angeli the other night where I'm like, you know, it's like, it's, it's just a story until I can go out there to this cave and see these aliens myself or, or, or bring a camera or, you know, it's just a story, you know, and how does that feel to, you know, how does that feel to a person say that they really experienced something, say that right. you were really abducted and then you go and tell people and no one believes you. Do you, like, um, oh yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was, I was just going to ask, do you, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. Do you believe uh, speaking on this topic, uh, you know, allegedly Roswell was not the first crash again, that's, you know, that's very speculative, but do you believe Lieutenant Colonel uh, Philip Corso, who said that things like Kevlar fiber optics, the integrated circuit came from the directly came from uh, uh, reverse engineering uh, the material from Roswell, the crash? No, because I studied physics and solid state physics history and i understood that you know the the whole theory behind you know so, so, some you know solid state semiconductors and and that led to the transistors development you know came from walter schottke and in a lot the of these other guys in the 30s and, and 20s even going back you know so right. it, 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 there's a lot of science you know a lot of this can be traced back to you know very human and terrestrial origins and and, and i didn't like that because i thought it was it's like an insult to science and it's insult to history and it's insult to the the humans that spent their entire lives you know developing this technology for aliens to get credit for it Mm, fair you know very I mean? fair like, very fair that kind of like that kind of burns me up about you know like a lot of that stuff because there's nothing that he mentions in that book that i can't i haven't gone been able to go back and find you know origins for that you know like someone someone figured this out or did it 
way before you know any of these and way before aztec way before you know like uh, we have fiber optic the first guy to make fiber optic strands you know like was in the late 1800s and he made like right. uh, decorated a whole his whole like uh, apartment with them and stuff and and uh it caught on in a, in a number of places so they were making fiber optics they didn't use them for signals processing and signal you know sending signals and stuff right. until much later but you know I, I would have expected you know if he if he was really briefed on this stuff i mean his book came out in 97 fouché yeah. came out a year a year later and talked about metamaterials and quasi crystals why wasn't that stuff mentioned in in, in corso's book mm, that's that's a very you know good i mean so speaking of which is there anything of significance that like that is not explainable to a terrestrial explanation in your in your uh, time, many years of research, is there anything where you go part of my English? You're like, holy fuck! Like I can't explain this type thing. You know, um, even the pyramids. You know, they're not perfect. There, there are you know a little bit off. But it, again, we would we wouldn't be able to hire a contractor to build those today. You know, I don't mm. know how we do it. It would cost so much money, and 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 it would be such a engineering fiasco um and then you look at some of those temples in india and the the, the car stone carving and and you know there's a whole temple that was carved right out of solid rock the whole thing's made out of you know solid rock and it's dug right into the dug right into a hole in the ground like the, the temple was like carved out around and, the, and then they have that metallurgy from ancient times that you know has stood the test of time they, they've discovered some interesting things and and you know, I think maybe we're giving, you know, we're not giving ourselves enough credit as humans for mm. ingenuity and, and, and our abilities. Right. Uh, but then again, it's like, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe we are just a bunch of idiots and, and aliens had to do everything for us. <laughs> um, I don't see the evidence for it, man. Right. Like, I, I think people are great, man. And people can do amazing things if they put their minds to it. And, you know, right. there's a lot of power in belief and believing in yourself. Yeah. So speaking with respects to, again, uh, you know, the pyramids, uh, you know, Stonehenge, the, what, the structures in India, there's been some people that speculate this was done via something called acoustic levitation. Now, I did want to ask, do you believe there to be different forms of, I guess you could say, propulsion of anti-gravity uh, for different, I mean, it's been speculated that, you know, a different, whether it's human or not, different uh, craft scene seem to have different in some cases propulsion systems or different sources of energy maybe not always the case but do you uh, i mean it's been speculated as well that the vast majority of UA uap sightings these days are in fact human and military do you believe there are different forms of propulsion based on your research that could be used at a, at a secret a secretive level or otherwise you know, I don't see acoustic levitation being powerful enough, you know, like normally Sorry, not, the, not that specifically, just in general, though. You know, I'm just thinking of like, you know, and yeah, there's lots of different ways to do things. There's lots of different theories about how to how to do things. Like one of the ideas was that, you know, you shine the right frequency light inside of the silica based rock and it will create muon anti muon pairs and that the, the anti muons can somehow be, you know, coordinated to create uh enough antimatter to you know lift the object or create uh, what's called the quantum foam um you know there's lots of theories and ideas about that but i haven't seen anything put into practice or, or actually done or demonstrated 
you know, normally acoustic levitation is done with like styrofoam balls, like really lightweight stuff, man. Right. We're talking about two and a half ton blocks. Right. You know, um, of, of uh, sandstone. So maybe it is the, the, the sandstone was used because of this, the, the crystal structure of the material that might that might have had something to do with it. Um, or they might have just used like leverage and brute force. And there's a lot of engineers that like have devised different ways you know, using leverage that, that you could have built these things. Uh, just are, are you are you of the belief, uh, sir, that if, for example, um, if uh, there were to be species observing us to whatever extent or metric that if they were so substantially advanced, I don't want to put a, a time frame on it as how advanced they could be. But if they were genuinely far more advanced than us, that we would never know that they could walk among us again. There's been speculation of, you know, uh, as they call them skin suits and uh, that gentleman from area 51, yeah. um, you know, saying things that he could say, we, we see now, for example, ex CIA officials uh, that were involved in the disguise department back in the seventies and eighties can only now speak on things that were so yeah, you know, like well the Frank done. strangers. At the yes, Pentagon, he's yes. Supposedly the alien. You know, right. what? I've never, I've never seen Hillary Clinton take a DNA test. Huh? Fair enough. <laughs> no, Fair just, enough. Just, I always make Hillary Clinton jokes. Like I made one with Angelie the other night, and it was it was pretty good. Do you it think was, though, if that? Of course, there's you know the the slip ups and things like this that many some have speculated, but like you said, there's not enough to say this is proof. Um, you know, concrete fact. But do you think if they were that advanced, they would be able to hide themselves well enough that we would just be like, holy shit, like? We didn't have any idea that guy walking down the street turned out to be one of them. I think Hillary Clinton, you could pull her mask off and there would probably be some scaly skin under there. Is that, I don't mean any disrespect. Is that a joke? Yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm I'm getting Alex Jones on you, man. I was going to say, I I got all like, I was all serious up until this point. That's that's why I had to Um, ask just to make sure. Yeah, man, I I think it. I mean, it could be possible, man. So, it's like I'm not asking was, for confirmation I, it was a, bias. It was a asking, couple yeah. times, you know, during this whole this whole pandemic where I was I wasn't you know totally convinced that the aliens weren't behind it all, you know, mm. you know they get. But that gets into that, you know, I get down that QAnon like crazy rabbit hole. Like that's like the QAnon level crazy, you know, where it's like, all right, I just have to abandon all of my reality here now. Because they're really they're they're giving away a vaccine that's going to kill everyone on the planet, right? Hmm. You know, like oh, they're killing people with the vaccine. Let's you know, like so all my family is going to die, and all the people that were obedient and took it are are, are going to perish, and that's going to leave all the like the rebellious like you know people who don't follow the rules left behind. That doesn't make any sense. Mm. Sorry, it's <laughs> like uh, so. There's a lot of like craziness out there. Um, you know, like. Alex Jones, right? Speaking of Alex Jones, he used to he used to call David Icke out as you know being this guy who did all this great research on the the bloodlines of the Illuminati and the history of these banking families that go back, you know, centuries. Right. And how they've been in control of everything on the planet, you know, for for and all the information on the planet too, like through this the intelligence networks who've always worked for the banks, and right. uh, and this whole big conspiracy scheme of of uh, how it's all connected at the top. These people live in this whole secret society world where it's completely, you know, it's completely run and things are run completely differently than we would even understand it. And maybe they are planning to kill everyone and, and but themselves so that they can t- retake over the world, repopulate the world. Um, you know, that's, that's, 
some crazy conspiracy theories out there, but he used to call um, David Icke the turd in the punch bowl um, for, you know, taking all that and then being like, well, they're protecting their, you know, bloodlines because they're reptilian aliens, you know? And, mm. and that was like the whole, that was his whole, like, I don't know. That was like the whole hang up point for me where it's like, yeah, I can see all this research and I can see all this hard evidence of this stuff. But when you get to the, 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 the calling them all reptilian aliens and, the, and using that as the explanation for why they're so messed up and, and doing the stuff that they're doing. I'm like, isn't like their banking interests and in the, and the, and the inbreeding enough. Right. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Now, do you, do you subscribe to the, that's a very good, a very good point. Um, do you subscribe to any possibility or potentiality of there being a uh, a secret space program of uh, uh, you know there's been uh specul- okay. yeah i on, wanted to I, on that note I, I have to grab another beer once oh yeah no problem no problem i'll pause it we're gonna do secret so the uh the secret space program do you believe uh there to be a potential uh, again, because we see, for example, in physics in, in theoretical physics, if I'm not mistaken, things like, um, I guess you could say uh, time travel and, and what have you in theory are, are possible. It's just that on the surface, at least we don't have the equipment to do so and or, or, you know, understand how to make equipment to do so. Do you believe there being a secret space program? There's been some people that have, you know, taken very, uh, especially nowadays, digitized telescopes, uh, very advanced ones, pointed it towards the moon. And I mean, you see some objects seeming like they're coming in and out of, the, of certain craters, oh. but I, I'm not trying to, you know, make that the end all be all. But so what's first your- off, uh, I just want to start off saying that most of the secret space program whistleblowers like out there, um, right. a lot of the, there's a lot of people that use SSP as, as like, a way to sell us their stories, you know, they're sure they're, they're grifters and they're, and they're, they're not telling the truth. They didn't, I can agree anything. with that. Yep. All right. There's a lot of people who use that to sell, to sell nonsense. All right. And mm. they're, they're, they're fraudsters and they're grifters and don't give them your money and don't, you know, I don't know. You can watch them if you want. It's entertaining and, and stuff sometimes, I, I you know, but Um, There is a secret space program. There was a secret space program. It was called the Redstone Arsenal, and it was um, part of Operation Paperclip, where we brought a whole bunch of Nazi rocket scientists over here to start our our space program. And um, so there was, you know, over 100 of them. I I forget how many exactly were brought over, the exact number. There's pictures of, you know, groups of them together at Redstone Arsenal in, in uh, Huntsville, Alabama. A lot of their family members are surviving, still live there today, and are a part of the uh, current space program and, and uh, at NASA Marshall there. Um, so yeah, there is a, there, there's also a secret space program called the NRO, the National Reconnaissance Office, and they launch spy satellites into space to, um, and they handle all, all, you know, the Kennan two and and the the Kennan the spy satellites, K E N A N or E N K A Kennan. I don't know. <laughs> so when you when you very fair points when you see, for example, the former Israeli um, space defense minister or the former uh, Canadian minister Paul Hellyer, um, when they say things like, for example, I believe Mr. Hellier's passed away now, but um, when they say things like, again, I don't, or Boyd Bushman, who used to work at Lockheed Martin um, with the with the, the patents and all that seemingly to, to substantiate his work there, 
on and making that video on his deathbed saying, you know, we've got bases on Mars working with ETs. We got bases on the moon. We see, for example, um, the uh, the leak from, uh, for example, if I pull up very quickly here, my apologies. In 2016, we, uh, WikiLeaks leaked emails where uh, astronaut Edgar Mitchell wrote to former White House chief of staff John Podesta that his team of scientists work with uh, extra ETI, extraterrestrial intelligence. Um, I know these, this is not proof. I, I fully get that. But when you see such individuals yeah. making these statements and claims, you know, there's, a, I would like to think there's a consistency there in the sense that these are all highly respected individuals with, you know, high top secret clearances and all that. So when you see Paul Hellier, the former Israeli space defense minister, Edgar Mitchell, what do you, what do you get from, what do you take away from that? And I'm not trying to put you in a corner or anything. I'm just genuinely asking. Well, these, a lot of these people haven't, you know, they haven't all said confirming things, you know, so, so let's, let's, mm. you know, like they've said different things, you know, right. about, about different aspects of what they were exposed to. You know, Edgar Mitchell was just saying that, you know, he saw UFOs and that they were told not to talk about him and, and that he thinks that, you know, we're, we're definitely not alone and that the, the government has been covering it up through NASA for years, uh, then you have, you know, Paul Hellyer, the Canadian, you know, engineer there um, saying that, um, I forget what Paul Hellyer said, but yeah, all, what was the, the other guy was the Israeli uh, defense minister there saying that there's Correct. this galactic alliance and, and all this stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, and, and sorry, uh, Bill Clinton, Obama, they seem to be for, coincidentally, ironically enough, around the same period of time, they're all able to suddenly speak on not ETs, but UFOs. And you have, you know, not to say that we should take Bill Clinton's word now compared to before, but people like him and Obama are saying we may define this as another constitute uh, constitute another form of life. You know, former CIA director Brennan. I know there's no proof. They're not bringing proof. They're just words. It's interesting because I. I there there's definitely some initiative that's going on to bring soft disclosure out um with okay you know uh because you have former white house people that you know they were interested in this to begin with you know and i think i i think i think a lot of this stuff started actually under john podesta because um didn't um tom DeLong reach out to john podesta it was in the wikileaks emails i think so he, he reached out and i think that that they they wanted to set this up and they looked, they went looking for ways and, and uh, brought this team of individuals together to do this. And it's interesting who they chose and, and what their, you know, sort, sort of takes are and stuff. Um, you know, Hal Putoff, I've heard is not doing too well either uh, right now. I heard he's, 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 he's sick um, and having a lot of health problems. Um, but essentially Hal Putoff and Eric Davis were the main guys uh, working who did like a lot of the science research and put a lot of the reports together for the defense intelligence agency under um, that ATIP program. And I think that that was started by, you know, Senator Reed yep. in, in an attempt to, what well, I think he, he, he was aware that there were other programs going on in the government that he couldn't have access that he didn't that we're not reporting to, to Congress. And that weren't reporting to Congress. So he created this program to sort of blow. I think they created this. The a, I think they created that whole ATIP, OSAP, BAS um, programs to pry the lid off the real stuff. Um, mm, makes sense. Okay. You know what? Because I, I, I feel like it was like an, 
people that were, you know, within the government that had some idea of these these other deeper programs and and how just how intertwined and, and compartmentalized and stovepiped this stuff really was, that that they were going to have difficulty bringing it out. So Bigelow, you know, spearheaded this with Bigelow Aerospace. Robert Bigelow, created, yeah. Yeah, he, he created that whole facility that was supposed to receive UFO debris to analyze it and um, be able to, you know, tell what it is and reverse engineer it. Um, they were supposed, they were trying hard to get the UFO debris that the government might have and the government wouldn't give it up. They um, had some trouble with a couple contracts with that they had going on with NASA, which was their only source of income really at, at the aerospace company. Um, I think that Bigelow is a billionaire and he sunk a lot of his own money into this to try to get answers, but he just didn't, he had a lot of, he had some, he had some good insights, man. I think that Bigelow's got a lot of answers, but he's not sharing a lot of that stuff publicly. They're not talking about that stuff. I mean, it's in the FOIAs. You can find the documentation on it. It's on like Black Vault, Um, but it's not well, it's not well advertised. And nobody's right. reading it and talking about it except, you know, a handful of a handful of scientists in the scientific community. Is- right. Now, do you do you believe um, the uh, the Admiral Wilson, doc, uh, Dr. Eric Davis uh, memos there from Edgar Mitchell's uh, estate? Do you believe that they're legitimate rather? The Wilson documents there, uh, I think that there's so much better um you know, places to look. Eric Davis, yeah, he was, he's been an inside guy on a lot of these things, but it's almost like he's using this security clearance as like a, it's like, it's more advantageous to him to like cite his uh, security clearance for why he can't talk about it than just, you know, flat out and deny it. Cause it makes him look like he's got more inside knowledge and he's more important and bigger than he really is. You know what I mean? Mm, so it's like, yeah, you know, so I, I have a lot of people that are accusing him of, you know, and Eric Davis is an individual, interesting guy, you know, and I would love for him to come and present on APEC and, and talk to us, you know, how put off would be, would have been great too, but he's really getting, um, he's really not in the good health right now. And I don't know, mm. know how much longer he's going to be around. Um, and I don't know if he, he's really in the condition to uh, give an interview of this kind of. Did you happen to see but Mr. Greenstreet's outtakes with Davis? Mr. Green, oh, I I don't know if I've seen that. I've seen a lot of stuff with Davis. I've seen a lot of like interviews with him. He said he I, couldn't comment. He seemed to get Mr. Davis seemed to get quite uh, the clip went on Twitter, got deleted, came back, and then I have a screen recording of it. Yeah, I, yeah, I think yeah. I've seen it. he gets super nervous and he's like, he's like, I, he's like, no, I can't speak. And, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've 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 seen that and heard that. You know, and it's again, he's not telling us anything. Um, really, you know. It seems like a, a it seems like a a big distraction for people to talk about nothing but dance around the, the real meat and potatoes, which right. is all in Eric Davis's papers that were published for the Defense Intelligence Agency and the summary reports for Bigelow Aerospace and Bass. There's this, you know, there's sub papers on all those. People have that 38 papers that came out. I remember that was the, the last thing I seen from George Knapp and, and, and that whole crew was that 38 papers that came out with the Stephen After Good FOIA that talked about those 13, uh, 38 different things that were studied under um, the ATIP program for the scientific part of it. 
Right. But the thing they don't point out is that like almost all, almost each one of those is like, a, there's a subdirectory with like sub paper, uh, sub summaries reports that were written for the defense intelligence agency under all those. And like, and there's right. a lot of dense technical material there, which is not getting the ear of the scientific community. It's not getting the eye of the scientific community. This is what I'm, this is what I was trying to get at earlier. Do you think there is a, again, Majestic 12 Zodiac or a loose conglomerate of rogue individuals in the government or academia that are working together? This makes me wonder, right? Cause look, yeah, back in the day, they, they did have that. Okay. Uh, it was a very, very much alleged that they had an MJ 12, right? Yeah. And the, right. And the people that were involved with that were a very interesting group of individuals. They had the head of MIT, Vannevar Bush. Yeah. They had uh, one of the heads at Harvard, um, Dr. Menzel. Right. And they had, um, so they had like these, these top figures from academia kind of take control of the subject and control the narrative. And I was worried that that was, was what could, might happen. I had really high hopes for Galileo project without Dr. Abi Loeb up at Harvard. Mm. And, you know, he has refused. He, he's given invitations to speak on people with like uh, on these Irish um, podcasts with, you know, 2000 subscribers, but he, he wouldn't subscribe. He wouldn't like come onto my channel and give an interview with a bunch of technical scientists who are going to really grill him and ask him a bunch of, you know, and, and really educate him on this mm, field too. Right. He didn't want to do that. Like he didn't, he, 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 he avoided that, which was a huge surprise to me. And then um, he went on um, Louis um, Jimenez's channel there with the, the unidentified celebrity review. Yes. Um, and uh, he, he pledged that Galileo project was going to be free from the government and they were going to be completely separate from the government. And they wouldn't get involved with the government or people from the government. Right. And then they just recently announced that they teamed up with Lou Elizondo and Chris Mellon. Well, like, this is the, this is the big, I've, I know what you're speaking on because this is the big thing. These are former, or in some cases people speculate still government officials. Uh, uh, so, you know, what, uh, to what credibility well, yes. does that reach? Right. Well, that, that sort of takes what, me to Lou. Look, yeah. I, Ed Fouché, right? I'm gonna tell you, he he received his pension up until he died, and he went to the VA hospital, and he was covered under his military benefits. Okay, right. despite being this whistleblower who came out and and, and talked, you know, and it, it, right. So either he was given sanction to do that afterwards. Um, yeah. What happened with Lou Elizondo is he had like a year left to go before he was going to get his pension, and he said he gave it all up to come out and be this hero. And that doesn't make any sense, man. It's like, you would have just waited another year and like get your pension. And then you could have come out and talked and then still gotten like, you know, so like, I just feel like he's, it doesn't make sense. I don't see, is he worried? Like he, I know he has a couple like patents that he supposedly patented. Those might've been gifted to him. as like something, you know, they, they gave, but we'll give you this, that you can make money off of. If you, you, you come out and, and be our guy, it's, it's always like, Sorry, you're speaking sort of, on, you're speaking on Lou. I'm just trying to understand Lou's backdoor. If he's got, if he's, we're out there struggling to pay his rent because he's became a whistleblower and, you know, he's got all this popularity and fanfare and, and, and tons of, uh, you know, support from people. And I'm just wondering you know, like what his motivations were to quit, you know, like there's so many questions. If he I, were to provide, I, no, no, I, I hear you. And if he were to provide again, not to defend him, just to play devil's advocate. If he were to provide some type of reason down the road, that would make logical sense relative to the timing he left. Would you be inclined to believe him? Or would you still think, you know, as they say, once a, once a government, uh, once a spy, always a spy, you know, that type of thing. I, yeah. I think once a spy, always a spy. And I think that, you know, there's a reason why he won't go on dark journalists or, or people like 
like my channel and he gives a lot of these softball interviews to people who really don't know the right questions to ask or, or don't want to lose you know don't want to ask the right questions out of fear of losing their audience and, oh, um, and, and okay. um, i think there's a lot of that going on it's like we should be skeptical of all these guys especially you know guys like lou elizondo who a former counterintelligence agent the guy can talk he can talk for hours about nothing and and, and he's super interesting to listen to but you really not learn i'm like I, I, re I realized I watched this whole interview and I didn't learn a heck of a lot of anything about, you know, anything that I didn't already know that it was, it's like, yeah, the government studies this stuff and we had a program and, and I was, you know, the director of that program. And, and right. it's all like these, these scripted answers that are, you know, that don't ask the right questions. I don't appear into the, the science was, should have been the focus of that whole TTSA. They had a whole science and technology division when they first had the outset. Yes, yes. You know, so and if I I don't mean to put you on the spot, but if I were to um if I were to say for example, I, I'm 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 Lou Elizondo and I say, okay, listen, you know what, uh, Jeremy, I want to come on. What if you can again, I don't mean to put you on the spot. What but what so were, these look Angeli, I give her props because I'm a skeptic and, and for her to come on with me and Steve Cambian and talk to us openly was like, you know, as a shock, because you know, if she's lying. She wouldn't do that. So she really believes this this happened. You know what I mean? Like, she well, really... what would be the question or questions, the main ones you would ask Lou if you were to come on? I mean, I don't mean, again, maybe you don't have the questions prepared in front of you, but what are the things you'd want to ask him that the other podcasters are not? Well, you know, Kurt Jamongo was was kind enough to reach out to me before he interviewed Lou last. And I and I wasn't, I, I wish I had come up with like a whole bunch more questions. But like, the thing is, I, did, I didn't, I felt like last time I, I bogged him down with too many questions and I wanted to just hit one specific one to, that would really, you know, like that was really been a, a problem that I'm struggling with is mm. the whole Adams project that, that he created where they went and collected UFO debris from the public. And then they were going to analyze that and, and come up with like this whole thing. And, and then they talked about this waveguide material that was terahertz active and that they needed terahertz to activate it. And the only lab with the terahertz um, capabilities was the U.S. Army. And so that's why they signed that CRADA agreement with the U.S. Army and gave that material back to the military. Um, you know, what they it, it just seemed like and they paid big money. I think that was arts parts or something. It ended okay. up being, you know, um, it was something the piece ended up being from Linda Moulton Howe, who had yeah. done it. And, and uh, yep. From Art Bell. And, and, you know, so there's this whole like controversy about the history behind you know and, and also the the chain of custody of, of the sample itself to begin with yeah and the, and the claims that were being made around it um but apparently it's just it just boggles my mind you know like that they collected all these samples from the public and then gave them back to the military and but they also gave them back to the wrong branch of the military because <laughs> right. the air force has the best terahertz and photonics lab at wright state university of, of, of all they have all the equipment right there at you the think US it's the, deliberate misappropriation I thought it, it looked to me like this is like sleight of hand is like look all right well look over here these are the guys that have the equipment and, and the ones that could do this stuff you know so you won't pay attention to the you know the, the research that they're doing over at AFIT, the Air Force. Do you, do you think that's part of the, you think that's part NASIC. of the, the, the compartmentalization, the, the, the deliberate misappropriation of such Sleight objects? of hand is, yeah. Sleight of hand. That's called, that's a direct intelligence move right there. Right. That's what yeah. I saw. And um, the fact that there's, 
you know, guys who worked at that lab and, you know, I, I talked about that story, these stories and that guy's in jail. He, he just got sentenced to a year in, in, in jail out in Ohio for leaking thousand page of classified documents. And um, I don't know where those leaks ended up, but um, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I definitely will say I, I learned quite a bit from reading his PhD thesis and some of his other published works that were publicly available. Um, so <laughs> Mr. Thank, thank you. Thank you, OSI, for getting involved in that. I mean, it, it's, I, uh, yeah. Yeah. So there's, we're, we're, <laughs> Um, you know, like we talk about real leaks and, and real information, man. Like these these people are yeah. doing jail. These people are doing jail time right now. Right? Is there? Is there? I just have three more uh, questions for you, if that's all right. If you got the time. His name's Isaac Kemp from Dayton, Ohio. If you want to look him up, Isaac Kemp. Yep. I Z I Z A A K K E M P. Isaac Kemp. Thank. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. So do you, um, one of the things I wanted to ask as well too was the uh, Christopher Mellon server leak. And I say that sometimes with air quotes because uh, it has to do with um, his, his private company server uh, pertaining to the, uh, the, the bullet points uh, about uh, human cognitive interface, the ability to penetrate solid surfaces and things like that. Do you, I mean, it's ironic enough, we seem to learn more from these quote-unquote leaks than the actual UAP report back in, in the summer. Do you subscribe to any of this? Like, I mean, Christopher Mellon saying like, oh, you know, I can't comment on that. And like you said, these guys could talk for 10 hours and tell you nothing. Do you- Right, they can't comment yeah. on any of it. Do, do you, like, do you I find- can. Right, right. I've so research this so, stuff. Sort of a, a multi-pronged question, two-pronged question. Do you believe this? Uh, the science exists for this this uh, document or piece of slideshow to be leaked. And and secondly, do you? Um, uh, God damn it! I forgot the second part. Brain fart. Excuse me, but I'll I'll remember. Where in can a I? Where can we find that uh, Chris Mellon leak? Oh, let me uh, hold on a second. I can. I think I can pull it up for you, um, and I can send it in the. Missing, missing a tip slides. Um, is this on Reddit. It oh, it's definitely on Reddit. Uh, let me just okay. confirm with you there. Correct, correct. A tip sub focus areas. Yeah. Um, yeah, the science exists for an enemy of the United States to manipulate both physical and cognitive environments in order to penetrate U.S. facilities, influence okay. decision makers, yeah, psychotronic weapons, penetration of solid surfaces, cognitive human interface, instantaneous sensor, the whole thing. Yeah. Do you, do you see this as a, as a distraction? Do you see this as um, a no, soft this disclosure? Was, this is like stuff that they won't, you know watch you ask him about this publicly in an interview and he's going to squirm he's probably not going to want to talk about this stuff too deeply but um there's a project um mk ultra is continuing project it's it was never shut down it's still going it's it's experimental mind control and they've learned so much about you know uh the psychology and, and manipulation and and mind control that's it's really quite scary um but one of the sub projects under MKUltra was a sub project called Subproject 68. And that is the one that dealt with electronic warfare technologies and, and psycho, psychotronic warfare and psych, right. psychotronic weapons. So this was a, a, actually a, a whole subdivision of Project Rainbow as well, too, which Project Rainbow was the CIA's operation to map out the entire electromagnetic frequency spectrum and the um, 
the resonance or radioact uh, radio response of every, every different type of material to those frequencies. So, so different, right. ra- different materials have different radio responses. So they wanted to find materials that were, you know, like, like ferroelectric materials like barium titanate that were really good for radar uh, reflection and absorption of properties versus, you know, what, you know, what kind of paint they could, you know, make that would be less radar reflective or radar and be more radar absorbent. So there was a whole thing, but there was a whole sub project under project rainbow to map out the electromagnetic part of the electromagnetic frequency spectrum that that's bioactive or uh, biologically active or psychotronically right. active specifically. Right. So they found that certain ELF frequencies induced, you know, like states, you know, so they could make someone sleepy, you know, by inducing mm. that, you know, that deep, uh, gamma state or whatever the, or they could make them really alert by the by by pumping them with alpha right you know? and, so you um, believe you believe what's it, what's in those slides to be of at least theoretically possible there's documentation on this and if people want to look it up they can go to um icnirp.org and that's the international council on non-ionizing radiation and um cool very cool and and non-ion this is non-ionizing radiation so it's 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 um beneath uh, ultraviolet it's a lot of it's in it, a lot of it's in the um infrared range and uh when you create you know peaks and, and certain types of signals you can you can uh and microwave also my, a lot of a lot of it's microwave uh active um such as the microwave auditory effect if you're familiar with that it, so this this document if you look up on on the the Council of Non-Ionizing Radiation, it will give you a bibliography of all the scientific studies that have been done, and it will show you all the bad frequencies. It will show you what those mm. bad frequencies can do. Okay. Um, you know, and this is for protecting people. This is not so you can go and build a weapon to go right. and, and, and mess people up. So um, just, just put that out there. Like, not well talked about because in the wrong hands, this type of knowledge is dangerous. But it's important, I, I think, for everyone to know this because this knowledge is readily available to a lot of dangerous people already. And in, in order to protect yourselves from them, it, it helps to be you know, equipped with that knowledge and that understanding that there are frequencies that you can generate with transmitters and that you know, if targeted on humans can, can have adverse effects. The mi- microwave auditory effect, they can plant uh, using these pulses of microwaves, they can make voices inside your head. You can hear actual voices in your eardrum. Wow. Yeah. And they can I... make voices inside your heads. So they, they can do a lot of really messed up, you know, that's just one example that I'm sure there's this others. And a lot of it's a less exact science because there's different effects on different people. Of course, right. we, different, we have different size, different geometry, different biometrics, different size skulls, different, you know, right. Yes. So res, certain resonances are going to work on someone else differently than they work on a different person. So, so. Right. So I, I did, I, I remembered my second question. Um, is there, is there anything that, because you've been doing this for so long, is there anything that anyone, any official uh, with credibility uh, has told you off the record that obviously you couldn't, you cannot say publicly that made you go, holy crap, like, okay, this is the, the phenomenon is, is quite legitimate, at least based on what they've told me, uh, you know, ETs probably not definitely, but probably exist. Is there anything off the record that just a simple yes or no, you've been told that's like, yeah, I got this. 
I mean, Ed Fouché said a lot of crazy things. I don't know if it, you know, is when he got really, really drunk, he, if he opened up to me or whether he, uh, you know, um, right. just got, you know, fell off the wagon or whatever. But he told right. me that he, he flew on the moon to the t- on the TR3B one time he, that, he, that he flew uh, on it and that they went on a, a mission to the to the moon and back. Um, and uh, that he never told that story before, but I, I, I don't know if I, you know, believe that or what, what he, you know, what, what that was about, but I was like, you know, that was kind of a hard one for me to swallow. Did he mention any, any potential stuff, structures on the moon? Did he get into any detail of that or it's not, you don't want to comment. Yeah. On that. I, 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 I wanted to ask him more specific missions. Like, well, did you go, was it the dark side of the moon? Did you go to the, right. you know, was there a base that you went to? But yeah. I, I I kind of just was like too so stunned. I, I didn't I didn't want to like get into it. I guess I right. Know, but also was like I felt like he would be insulted if I started you know questioning him on it. And you know, but then again, it's like well you know maybe he did make it up. But you know, wow. I don't know. The thing is right. I've never been able to explain how like he must have either been. I think he knew how put off and how put off is the one that was telling him about the quasi crystals and metamaterial stuff. Okay. Um, even though I've never really heard Hal talk too much about the quasi crystal stuff, it's I don't know, it's super interesting uh, that you know to to try to unravel now years later, and I think that um, those 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 materials are definitely the future um, of where a lot of this stuff is going. I found out that metamaterials, certain types of metamaterials, can um, there's a whole book called Excitons. And it's, it's this, it's these particles that uh, occur inside of materials when you shine light into them. So you can, you create these, you know, um, you can trap light and uh, do a lot of weird things with it. And um, this is, this is where I think the technology is really headed. And um, where a lot of our research is based on these types of materials where you can trap light and create work called polariton exciton pairs. And with the within the polaritons, you can create what are what are called polariton condensates, and that's called condensed light. And that's um, where you can have room temperature superconductors, and a lot of other really interesting physics phenomenon that occurs because the, the, there's uh, there's a lot to be said of the science of entanglement. Right um, now, I, I did. Speaking of which, this is part actually my my second last question I wanted to ask. Um, ionized air pockets uh you having a much better understanding than myself uh, with ionized air pockets it's been alleged that uh in a lot of these again i say alleged very carefully uh extraterrestrial bases they uh ionize the air pockets above those hidden bases could you see why that would be the case Uh, and if so um apparently it's multi-purposed but uh for the reasons why they do it but could you see this being a logical thing to do yeah, it looks like maybe radar reflection absorption kind of um, it, it would definitely make you more invisible to, you know, electromagnetic scanning and stuff like that. Okay. But um, not that the electromagnetic scanning wouldn't detect this large electric field right there, you know, so it's kind of like giving yourself away too. I mm. think there's other ways that they could do it more passively with metamaterials and um, cloaking, you know, and maybe even making holograms, you know, uh, but again, that technology is not 
you know, I don't know if that we're there yet with, with that kind of level of it, you know, sure. we can create, we can create holograms at night of like these, these shining balls of light and stuff. Mm. Um, and I know that they, they actually, that there's, there's ones that show them during the day. You can actually see the balls of light in the sky during the day, during daylight. So it works in daylight too. Right. Um, but as far as, uh, I mean, there, there's also a lot of, there's also yeah. propulsion technologies based on this. this. NASA did a lot of research on pulse plasmas and, you know, like where they, they energize this, get ionize the gas and create a plasma and then they pulse it. Um, right. In fact, they, they've abandoned this, the, the, the scramjet and ramjet engines um, for super, for hypersonic, uh, jet engines and they've they've realized that you know putting the engine on the outside of the craft and using these plasmas to um drive air currents over the craft are much more effective uh than trying to jam it through a tube right you know yeah yeah so but would you see in a hypothetical world the reason for why these beings would do that why they would uh, not always but in many cases allegedly many cases ionize the air surrounding their their base their hidden base yeah i don't know about the base the stationary base but i know why they right. do it around their they know why they do it around their craft and um that goes back to this guy named lake marabou at rensselaer polytech um and marabou m-y-r-a-b-o um left there and worked did a lot of work for nasa and also classified work for uh that he's still under contract for and won't can't talk about till 2027 apparently mm. um because it's related to a lot of this uh hypersonic missile systems and, and hypersonic weapons technologies that do, they're, that they're doing do you now. right do, do you believe um this is my final sort of two-pronged question if that's cool uh do you believe there is uh there is one group or maybe a handful of different factions of groups of humans. And it may be in some cases ETs and maybe believe is the wrong word, subscribe to the possibility of there being like, when we talked about, you know, the sleight of hand move, Oh, this, this piece of metallurgy just went missing. Like Jacques Vallée said on Rogan last year, he's like, these things have a funny way of go missing and, and going missing and ending up in other labs in the country. Do you think there's one or maybe a handful of groups, not necessarily, you know, they meet every Friday in the shadows to discuss what to do, but just, you know, very strongly controlling again, like why certain things aren't talked about in uh in at harvard at stanford why they aren't in the front on the front page of scientific america do you think there's a, a group that says like no 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 this isn't getting out to like right at the moment yes absolutely it's admitted to and there's documentation on it it's called operation paperclip it, and right. the cia has set that up in the in the 50s to control the news cycles to make sure that unfriendly news or like that they could control the news yeah and that's been reflected in the past years with the, the 90% buy-up of all the small media companies by the big establishments and the, and the big six, right? right? The six, six big, you know, the big six are the big six companies that, that own all of our media, 90% yep. of like the content that you consume yep. is controlled by just six people. That's fucked. Part of my English. Okay? That's, yeah. Yeah, that's reality. It's not a conspiracy. It's it's fucking fact, bro. Like, yeah. If you don't believe that, then you're stupid and you haven't <laughs> done your research. Right. I'm sorry. Like, go look it up. It, it's 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 right it's there. Legit. Operation Mockingbird yeah. and and they 
these Rockefeller foundations set up all these institutions. They, they hired, um, they set up these institutions and hired like brand new PhDs, you know, back in the fifties that are like all retired right. and replaced now with new PhDs that, that are all their institutions that control the academic thought and control the literature and, you know, and set the tone and set the pace and, right. and they'll come out and berate and bash anyone that steps out, steps out of line of this like controlled narrative that, that they want to, you know, pigeonhole people inside. And it, it's, it's, it couldn't be more obvious than today. Like, um, yeah, and more people are waking up to it and, and realizing how contrived and controlled and compartmentalized and owned by very, you know, this pyramidal uh, structuring of things where it's just controlled by a very few people at the top. And it's done right. quite easily. <laughs> yeah, and it's not a conspiracy at all. It's just how the money flows. And, and right. And it's it, it's uh, how the cookie crumbles, man. Uh, we, we were just uh, we're just downhill and we get the crumbs. Right. But, um, I think, uh, yeah, there, there's a lot to be said about that, um, about how the how the controlling and the, the institutions and, and that it, that what we consume on a daily basis is heavily censored and heavily regulated by a, a select few number of individuals. And um, and that's absolutely a fact. You even right. censor our we even like our, our brainwashed to censor our own thoughts. Yeah, that's a, a very good point. Uh, speaking, final question, uh, speaking of uh, censorship and, you know, controlled opposition and, and, and things like this, what are your what are your thoughts on Stephen Greer? And I ask that because if you look at the Stephen Greer of, say, 2001, when he brought he br brought, you know, 400 or more, uh, you know, military uh, personnel, some of them very high rank, Don Phillips, yeah. former Air Force CIA. I mean, I got to be honest, at the, many years ago, I'd like to say he really did some good uh, initiatives and work. But, you know, nowadays, a lot of people have, you know, with his recent documentary, it, it seems like, uh, again, I'm not saying him specifically, but there seems to be a tribalistic Fat, uh, he's definitely bitter with leslie keen who came in and did some right. shady things in, in there with uh with with disclosure project i think disclosure project was a little bit you know it had good intentions but it was it was sabotaged early on by from the inside by by a number of people i mean this just they let anyone come in there that had a story and they didn't do a, yeah. good, a good vetting product process and i think a lot of disinformation got in there and a lot of um just a lot there's there's also disinformation within those programs themselves you know they're feeding right. you crap at the end so so if you do go forward you got so much you don't really know the whole picture of what's going on you just know goddamn enough to do your job and that's it and yeah. that's all they really tell you and the rest is is a bunch of crap and until you find out or or, or have to learn yourself and then do you, you think he, the ranks do you think he's authentic these days or no if that's even a yes or no type. I don't think he's bought out. I don't think he's controlled opposition. I just think he got, he didn't have the science background to really know what he was doing with the, the, the whistleblowers that didn't have the vetting process down. Um, he, he started the Orion project, which was like the, 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 after the disclosure project, it was the scientific initiative to bring free energy and anti-gravity technology out. He got a million dollars in funding that he admitted to for that, that he raised and they blew it all. They didn't get anywhere. They have nothing to show for it. And um, we've done far less on a, on, a, on, on a tenth of that amount so far. I mean, we've done far more on a tenth of that amount on far mm. less. So, right. um, 
what are your thoughts on i know there's criticisms on against you know you know greer and his crew and sort of elizondo and his well crew then and, he got into the ce5 thing with these, yeah. these experiencer groups that were and he started leading these expeditions to go out and, and look for and summon aliens and, and apparently he was you know dropping flares or flying drones around and, and like this there's been weird things they don't let certain people like on the expeditions now too i, I heard like they wouldn't let a person like me and then because like my skepticism would make the aliens not want to show up and stuff like that. You know, it's like weird. It's like they, they want a, a bunch of people that are easily fooled that they can fool and they can charge, you know, 10. Grand was that, was that a legitimate reason they said to you? No, that, this is the stuff that I've heard from people that have paid money to go out in the desert and try to, you know, summon aliens with Stephen Greer under the CE5 program. Right. Yeah, but but also got to interview a couple. I, I got to I, I admit, I, I've been trying to do more research on this. This guy, Tyler Zaradnik, who I saw in the big phone home, I'm trying to get him on. I'm going to reach out to him this week and, and try to get him uh, on an interview because I want to talk to him more about the CE5 protocol and what this stuff is. Because according to him, it's not it's not bullshit. But like according to a lot of people, a lot of the skeptics out there are convinced that it's well, a bunch see, of this crap. Is, this is interesting because when yeah. on in, sorry on engaging the phenomenon that uh, James Iandoli asked, I, if I'm not mistaken, asked Lou Elizondo about CE5 and all that, and he goes, "Well, you know." It's not that I was ever against it. It's just that people never asked me about it. And it seems like anything, not just Mr. Elizondo, but Christopher Mellon, Jacques Vallée, you anyone who's had any type of inside or alleged inside track on this phenomenon and disclosure, they seem to not want to talk about the telepathic, the um, sort of zero point energy uh, mental aspect of it. If you do, you, you know what I'm saying? The consciousness. Yeah, that's side. interesting. That's interesting. You know, because how put off was endorsed yuri geller he, he said that yuri geller had real superpowers and and um and there was a lot of these guys like pat price and and on others who uh ingo swan that had like these uh you know clairvoyant abilities and the remote viewing ability and um you know he swore by that under the, the work he did for the sri international and i don't know if that was just to get more government contracts to do more research on the stuff um yeah. Or whether, or, or some some speculate that it was Cold War propaganda that 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 they were paying him to to say this was real so that the Russians would think we had this capability or and waste their money and time researching it and, and creating counter spies and all this this whole sci spy you know nonsense. But I, again, a lot of this stuff goes back to the same groups of people like John yes. Alexander, yeah, um, the, the the U.S. Army psychological warfare programs. That's where I think a lot of the time travel conspiracy stuff came from the project Stargate and all that. Yes. I think that that was, yep. that was spread as cold war propaganda to make the Russians think that we could read their minds. We could send our spies in there with remote viewing and go in all their records and all their bases and all their secret facilities with psychic, with psychic powers. Right. And that, and that we could also um, travel back and forth in time. Right. Do you, I mean, do you, uh, subscribe to the the uh, to believing the military personnel from the 2001 national press club conference with again their their credentials are clearly there like uh you know don phillips uh, with you know former cia usaf uh, um lockheed martin saying like listen aliens are legit you know we've seen the bodies we've seen the documents we've seen the craft uh would you be inclined to believe these individuals or I know it's good to be very healthy to be. Skeptical, I don't think that but... stuff's at Lockheed Martin. I really wouldn't. I think it would be at Dugway or. Um, okay. Okay. I think it would be at you know, I, and I also, you mentioned about like the, 
we talked about this as conspiracy within science to cover stuff up. And I forgot to mention the whole issue of Battelle. Yes. They're this, and, and the fact that they manage all of our national laboratories, the, the Battelle. All, all yep. the national labs are managed by this one company that's been a defense mm-hmm. contractor that allegedly got the pieces of the Roswell medal. This is they the, were the biggest metallurgist around that would have analyzed it. In the to 40s, clarify, 40s. this is the, the Battelle Memorial Institute, correct? Yes, in in, Dayton, in um, Columbus, Ohio, their headquarters yes. is. And it's, right, it's just right. 45 minutes from Dayton, uh, where Wright-Patterson Air Force Base is, where, is where the Roswell debris was flown. Whether it was a weather balloon right. or not, it was flown to Roswell Material Command at Wright-Patterson. Right. And that's where it ended up. And the, the obvious contractor, if it was if it was some strange memory foil metal that they couldn't identify and didn't know what, how it worked and they needed to they, they needed to send it somewhere, they would have sent it to Battelle. Do you and th- the fact that yeah. Battelle now runs all our national labs and there's this whole structuring within the national lab system that certain patents get bought up by these holding companies yeah. national lab has their individual holding company yeah patent holding company <laughs> yes yeah and they they're like scoop up bins for all the you know free energy anti-gravity technology there's all these rumors that that stuff ends up in this these these bins that they're they're, they're basically watching all of our scientists and making sure that you know if they invent this stuff it it, it goes in you know it goes bye-bye. And we so, you, so, you, so you believe that, you, you do believe that there is, like, for example, when, uh, you know, at the 2001 National Press Club, when uh, some individuals with uh, TK clearance and things like that, when they said, listen, you know, not, not only UFOs, but the inhabitants of their craft not being from this planet in some cases are, are legitimate. And, you know, uh, you have Ben Rich, the former head of Lockheed Martin Skunk Works Division. Saying things. Right. He yeah. apparently said that to Jim Tagliani. So the, the, the quote comes from Jim Tagliani. And so it's it's hearsay. There's no direct recording of Ben Rich, you know, saying those things. But right. I, I'm not I'm not familiar with the other guy. Um, so, yeah, I, I just be skeptical of, you know, you know what people say and what, what people, you know. Right. I don't know. I'm skeptical of it all because until you have hard proof that proves it, it's, it's just a story. And it's just something that, you know, you have to believe is a possible and you can't take for like solid, just like the Eisenhower thing, man. Yeah. Yeah. But he have been meeting with aliens during those two weeks that he was unexplained that it where he was. And and does the timeline maybe work with with some of these other things? Maybe you, but, have you, you know, yeah, sorry. It could also be disinformation from, you know, guys like Richard Doty and Project Serpo trying to you know, right. distract people. Those MJ-12, think, do- oh, sorry. Even the MJ-12 documents, right? Yeah. I think yeah. that um, it could have been not, you know, that those might've been faked with the, because you know, that whole thing that was released at the same time, you know, it came from like this other, I think it came from Richard Doty's office. They, they, they leaked that stuff, but I think that there, there may have been a group um, mm-hmm. similar to the MJ-12 and it might've been, you know, something else you know someone said it was the mars jupiter committee and or, or that, that the mj12 majestic or that it stood for um i've heard other things too uh, what the the mj stood for um what are can you say the other things that you've heard the of the other or? one oh sorry um, if, if you don't remember it's all good i don't i'm trying to remember it's in it's in a slide presentation i put together and it was um this was actually came from Walter Bosley too, because he did some research on the MJ into the MJ 12 documents. Um, Even Einstein's assistant recently too. I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah. The whole thing with Einstein recently saying that, you know, Einstein was involved with Roswell. Um, it doesn't make sense to me. 
I don't think I don't buy it. I think that that this is I think that this is put out as disinformation to throw people off the trail again. It's just uh, interesting. I think the person that was involved, if anyone was involved from that group, it would have been von Neumann. Von, von Neumann. Who's this? If I may ask. So John von Neumann um, was called the human calculator by his colleagues at um, I, yeah. at Los Alamos. He would solve math problems for them. And uh, when they came to difficult integrals or different difficult physics problems, they would give them to John von Neumann and he would come up with solutions. Have you heard the quote from Herman Oberth, Warner uh, von Braun's mentor? I think Herm, I think, uh, I think maybe Herman Oberth was one of the people brought there too. I think okay. it, would have been, it would have been these paperclip scientists yes. because they, they would have had the foreign aspect. They would have had the aerospace um, knowledge. Yes, right. You know, right. One of the, if you read the, the the Twining memo and some of the original documents, they thought this thing was uh, Horton craft, you know, Horton Brothers craft. So they would have brought the paperclip scientists in for sure to to view that. Um, but they would have needed a physicist and someone with a classified, you know, someone nearby, which John von Neumann was working at Sandia Labs mm. in uh, it, right in north of Albuquerque. Um, so it's about a two two three hour four hour maybe three hour drive from roswell right um he he uh had all had the security clearances um you know he worked on the manhattan project yep yep he was one of the top physicists on that you know so he had, like the top knowledge and top access and then in October or November of 1947, just a few months after Roswell, he published a paper on um, von Neumann probes, huh. which are uh, self-replicating uh, automata. They're space probes that can make copies of themselves and then keep going out and exploring. And they communicate with each other and send and, and share data and keep making copies of themselves and, and exploring further and further into the galaxy. That's... And he wrote a paper on that, like just a couple of months after Roswell. Right. Which, uh, the timing is. Uh... <laughs> yeah, it's quite strange. And and he also like there's a definite change that other colleagues of his noticed in his character after after 1947, that he he completely changed as a person. I could see that. Like, like he used to be he used to be he used to be this guy who was funny. He used to wear like he had a collection of just hats. Right. Go out and buy different types of hats. And he had this huge hat collection. He was very like outgoing and kind of just like funny and stuff. And they said that after 1947, he just kind of like didn't want to talk to anyone and was just like in a, in a trance most of the time. Like he was it changed like, him. It changed him. Right. Like, so when Herman, he, because oh. he couldn't talk about it, I think. Right. It a social thing, you know, it's like, here I am sitting on the greatest story ever, and I can't talk about it. Cause... Right. So when Herman Oberth uh, says, uh, you know, we, we cannot attribute, don't quote me directly word for word, but he says uh, roughly, we cannot attribute all of the advancements in, in rocketry and propulsion to ourselves. We have been helped by the people of other worlds. When he says that, are you inclined to believe him again i understand that he it's not like he brought an alien on stage and said hey here it is everyone but uh do you are you inclined to believe individuals like that when they say those things and it's on record or yeah he said a lot of interesting things including uh roscoe hillencoder the first uh director of the cia yeah and um you know 
Rear Admiral Hill encoder was, you know, another. There's there's been a number of interesting quotes from people. Uh, also, um, Arthur Exxon, the, you know, he said something about, um, you know, materials that are up from out of this world and and metals that can't be explained and stuff like that. There's a lot of people mm. who, who have stories of handling this stuff and. Um, I think that this if this material exists, um, it's maybe it's thousands of years more advanced than what we're you know capable of understanding right now. But it at least gives us some insights into you know some of the the physics that and the metallurgy of the future. Right. I don't know. It's just, right. that's the way I look at it. Is is that it's like maybe this is not good. Maybe it's like it's almost like a, a cheat sheet. You know. Like, all right i gotta i gotta cheat sheet to pass the exams and, you know <laughs> the, you know i don't deserve this degree or this respect but i you know, or this technology but i have it right know. And we're not, you know we're, what are we unlocking is it like parandora's box here it's like are we maybe we're not spiritually and um socially evolved enough to handle this right that, that's one thing i worry about too because it's that like, yeah and and maybe maybe it's you know i always get frustrated because i'm like why isn't you know more people you know waking up and 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 being onto this and it's like well maybe we're not like we're not quite ready for it yet you know right. maybe there's other things that need to like change first before do we, you um, you think we're oh sorry I think we're going to kill ourselves first. I, I wake up to this soon. Like do we you, don't like disclose yeah. and like, you know, like start moving, you know, cause people are like so fucking helpless now. Cause they like, think like, Oh, well this is all impossible. And they've been brought up in this like contrived model of reality that they have to conform to. And then they, they, they get this, even if they have dreams and hopes, right. By the time yeah. they're done with four years of engineering school, those are, those are long dead, long right. dead, man. They've been beaten out of them with integrals and, and, uh, you know, countless, you know, uh, Lagrange multipliers and, and, and just the, the, the gauntlet of mathematics and differential equations that they've had to go through to, to get that degree that they, they've just had, the, they've had all that dream mostly beaten out of them. Most of them, not all of them. Right. But, uh, fair, fair. it's, it's, yeah. we need some kind of hope to show people like, look, there's more to this. Like we're going some, we're going places there. There's a whole future that we're not aware. You're not aware of, and, and we can get there. Um, but well, to, to, to sort of end it off with that, do you, do you think that we're currently living in a soft disclosure period potentially? Well, yes, yes. And no, I think like the, the disclosure that has been come out, you know, that the, the public admissions are very weak. They're very like old news. It's like, yes, this, of course, you know, like we've, we've known, we've known that you've studied this stuff and, and have lied to the public about it for 70 years. Thank, thank you for finally admitting it. But, you know, can you tell us a little bit more? And they're like, well, we don't know anything more. And it's like, but there's lots of people that do. And like, uh, you know, how can it, how can it be that, you know, I'm just some 40 year old from Rhode Island who's researched this stuff for 15 years. And I apparently know more about the, a lot of these programs and these guys can talk about, you know, publicly, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of bothers me. And that's, that's why kind of I do what I do. Cause it's like, um, you know, I come across this, uh, this stuff and I, and I remember it and I, 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 I cross-reference it and I, 
I dig deep into it and, and we're trying to get the truth out. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, cons- I, I, I'm not like, you know, a, a skeptic and debunker all the time. I'm, I'm a researcher and a truth seeker and a truth finder. And if there's something to this, I'm going to find it and I'm going to dig it out and, and, and show it. And, um, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, I think that the guys like that are in the mainstream right now, um, it's soft disclosure. It's, it's like, there's a lot of people that are playing for different parties and different interest groups. And I feel that, that there's disclosure, there's limited disclosure and limited hangouts that are, you know, dangled in front of us and they're the ones that that seem to get popular and seem to get the the mass mainstream media and the mass attention and the mass approval whatever in the algorithm that promotes them to the top and, and gets them so much popularity over you know more complicated and detailed devil you know diving into the doing deep dives on stuff which is like a lot of people like find that stuff boring it's not like this headline they want all the research done and presented on a silver platter so they don't have to think and they wanted also, sorry, if I could say they wanted to fit the size of their phone screen. Yes. Yeah. And so like, yeah. if you don't have all that and a media company and, and, and editors like condensing it down and, and putting it into that with the music and the, and the, and the, and the flashy graphics and all that, then, then you're not communicating on their level and you're just, you know, whatever. Um, you think so, nukes, you think that these ETs or UFOs are going to prevent us from going into a nuclear warfare, maybe not kinetic, but nuclear. Oh, it, I think they already have. I mean, yeah, that's already yeah. been talked about for yeah. you know, the, the yeah. scenarios that have played out with the, the Russians. You know, yep. we almost went to we almost went to DEFCON five like yep. at one time, and like the Russians were doing the same thing, and they 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 shut it all down on us, and it was just like this. Yeah, yeah. Moment where we could be like, oh God, like we don't want to do this. You don't right. want to do this, right? No, ex- exactly, exactly. But it cl- uh, like it's been clear they've been set like uh, either that or it's somebody else sending a message right. to us, you know, yeah. with the, yeah. with these crazy capabilities. You well, know, pro- either Project way, it's one nineteen, right? Uh, they wanted to bring a nuke to the moon. Apparently, a, a UFO came from the moon, shot some beams of of what is some type of energy at it, and the missile yeah. just f- fell. Yeah. They're just basically showing that you do not have space dominance and someone <laughs> else does. And yeah, well, someone showed us that and the message is clear. You know, so. the example I like to use uh, just to wrap it up, if it's cool, um, you know, for example, if you have a, a cat or a, or a pet, I, I just use cat as an example, and you're, it's a new cat and, or it's a kitten and you're eating at the kitchen table and it keeps jumping up on the table and you have to teach it like, no, you have to pick it up and put it back on the floor you know, that type of thing. I feel like that we're the cat and the owner saying, no, don't do this are the, the ETs with respects to nukes and all that. You know what I mean? Saying like, listen, you guys still need guidance. You guys are not there yet. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel like you know, I can subscribe to that, even though I don't really have any proof of that, but it feels right to me. Uh, you know, I just feel like that right. I'm here for a higher purpose than just to you know, eat, sleep and work a nine to five until I die and, and hand over what little, you know, I made to my kids. I think that, you know, we're here for something bigger and, and, uh, you know, the people that are in this community realize that they're part of that. And it, it they just, um, I think it's about 
you know, coming, coming together for, for common goals, but we also have to, you know, we also have a limited amount of time in our day, man. And, yeah. and understand that this stuff, it takes years to, to learn and, and, and have a brain for, for some of the science and stuff that even I, I have trouble wrapping my heads, my head around sometimes. So there's people out there that are incredibly smart and are working on this stuff. And, but again, I, I just, uh, I think there there's smart people out there too that um, are just as easily misled as you know into different things because I, we're, I, we're all social creatures and we're all you know we're all looking for the approval of our peers. I couldn't agree more. Could could you please uh, could you please tell uh, our audience where they can find you, how they can find you? I mean, I'm pretty sure you're quite famous amongst uh, um, amongst the community, but if it, it never hurts to to, to plug uh, your your uh, your, your website yeah. and your show and all that. Yeah, man. Well, again, thanks for having me, Zed. And um, I'm the alien scientist. You can find me at alien. My website's aliensciences.com. I also have the allpropulsion.com website with uh, Tim Ventura and Mark, where we, and a couple other engineers and scientists like Jeremiah and, uh, and others where we, we've sort of created this community of, of physicists and engineers to explore alternate propulsion and uh, those technologies. And I'm also alien underbar scientist on Twitter. Um, I don't do much Facebook these days. It, it, that, that last Zuckerberg uh, metaverse video really freaked me out. I yeah. Don't, I don't, I don't yeah. even want to open up Facebook anymore. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, especially with all just every, everything you do on there is being collected and sold as metadata oh. to, you know, it's just, it's just disgusting you know they they really ought to, they really ought to be you like, see the facial recognition thing they just said they deleted it oh i'm yeah, sure I'm sure. <laughs> sure we believe you i mean oh maybe right. they deleted it but the nsa and this i'm sure they got their hands on it <laughs> damage is already done yeah sorry like yeah genies are the bottom like too little too late man I, i'm sorry yeah, that's just uh, but yeah, Twitter and uh, also I'm on minds.com. I'm 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 gonna be moving to minds.com um and, nice. and moving off of Facebook. Um and trying to look, you know, for some of these other you know platforms and stuff where they don't censor people like us. And right. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. Um, but yeah, uh yeah, they can find me on uh, any any of those places, the alien scientist at gmail.com. If you want to send me an email. Uh, I'd love to be on your show. And uh, again, I'm sorry it took us so long to connect on this one, man. I'm, I, my my schedule is all over the place. No, man. please. I, I know you're very busy. Not not to worry at all, man. That's I know reaching out sometimes some people, you know, they say, hey, we I can do tomorrow. Other people uh, say, hey, man, you know, it's got to be next month or whatever. So I get it. I, I, I really uh, I really do. But thank you so much once again, brother. And um, this this was a phenomenal conversation. I, I can't I cannot thank you enough. Truly. Awesome. I hope I answered a lot of your questions, man. Absolutely. Thank you.